It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the first 2023 town hall here at fantasypoints.com i'm john hansen and before we introduce the panel we'll explain to you what the hell this is basically so for the last 10 to 15 years i've been gathering up the people that we've worked with over the years joe dolan tom brawley adam kaplan paul kelly the list goes on and on with the names graham barfield we've gathered up right after the draft to have a full day sit down. We go over all 32 teams. We talk about the draft, the impacts of free agent acquisitions and losses, coaching changes, the whole deal gearing up for the upcoming campaign. So the 2023 NFL draft in the books, and we are going to sit down this afternoon and do the NFC. We'll come back and we'll do the AFC in a separate broadcast. So without any further ado, first of all, let's say hello to our guy, Trey, behind the glass, our new, I wish we, we I knew what his title was, but our guy, Trey, um, he is running this here thing and recording it. He's going to be doing some fine work here. Uh, what is Trey's title? I don't know. He is the maven of all things video, social media here at fantasypoints.com. But Joe Dillon... Uh... Is here director of social media strategy, John. Director of social media strategy here, very fancy title. Joe Dolan is here. He's got his analyst cap on. Graham Barfield is here, and of course, our guy Brett Whitefield here, all from FantasyPoints.com, and our other guy, Mr. Adam Kaplan, Mr. NFL Insider. I'm sure everyone is doing well, and if they weren't, they would lie and say they're doing really, really fantastically. So I'm not even going to ask. Let's get right into it here the way we'll kind of go around the room i think is i will start with mr c mr kaplan been out there talking to a lot of people he's out at the combine just drinking till like four in the morning he's actually drinking non-alcoholic because he's really there to get all the the scoops and the skinnies and all that so we'll start with mr c we'll get his thoughts and then we'll kind of go around the room and uh discuss these teams heading into 2023 We'll start with the Dallas Cowboys, Mr. Adam Kaplan. Uh, first of all, I will ask you, how are you, sir? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm looking forward to uh, another one of these. Gosh, I, I'm so old. I remember when we'd be in Atlantic City uh, doing these things and going to lunch. So things have changed here with Zoom. Yeah, yeah. We've had multiple locales, and uh, now we're all virtual. But, you know, we're going to barrel through the NFC today, and we're going to start in the East. Adam, I'll, I'll go to you. Um, number one, I think probably the biggest question I have is, you know, the changing of the guard offensively here, running the offense, Kellen Moore, I thought did a good job. Uh, Mike McCarthy, Brian Schottenheimer. It sounds very boring. Uh, Mr. C what, what is the word in the street there with that coaching change? Yeah. So what McCarthy wanted a true West coast offense, that's not what Kellen Moore runs. So he, Mike wanted to call the play Schottenheimer. I will help him. Shadi's really good with quarterbacks. And he's the thing that people have told me who've worked with Shadi is that he's really good with discipline. Now, obviously, with Dak's turnovers last year, that certainly will help. 
Russell Wilson's best half of his career of a season was with Schottenheimer in 2020, whatever, 2020, 2021. So I think this could be good. I know Kellen Moore did a good job. I know some of the Cowboys fans were not so happy with him, but this is just more McCarthy wanting to run his system, not Kellen Moore's. And that is the big difference here. We're, we're not talking personnel. We're just talking about scheme. That's the difference. Yeah. Well, Brett, um, I'll go, I'll go over to you. Uh, here with any data slash you know film slash you know real football thoughts here i thought kellen moore i thought he was pretty good but it seemed to be a little hit or miss here um do you have any thoughts when when you heard that kellen moore was departing these cowboys you've charted uh these cowboys under kellen moore um what was the first thought that you had i think there's just a philosophical difference from what mccarthy wants to do versus what kellen moore wants to do kellen is a He's a guy who likes to take advantages of mismatches in the pass game. That's what he's. That's what he does. He doesn't really yeah. have a yeah. scheme he's tied to necessarily. He he plays matchups, and depending on the the personnel of the defense, he's going to try to get players on the field to exploit certain matchups. And McCarthy is an old school West Coast guy. He wants to run the football. Um, well, at least he says he does. Now, whether that actually happens in practice, we will see. But um, I mean, they're they're personnel moves don't really shout we want to run the football more than we did last year obviously so sure. i'm interested to see how that plays out but ultimately i just think it was a philosophical difference that caused them to separate and i think it's a good move probably for both for both teams because um you know kellen just it just seemed like his time was up there well let me go right back to you real quick before we get um graham and joe uh worked in here with the tight end situation luke schoonmaker they, they used the second-round pick on this kid, uh, right? Second, and a pretty good capital here. I didn't think he would go as early in the draft. I actually met him and interviewed him. He's a great dude. Um, boy, I wish I would have known. I'm like, dude, what do you think? Second round. I don't think he knew or thought he was going to be there in the second round. But what are your thoughts on the short-term and long-term um, prospects here? I think long-term, we're fine, but short-term, I don't know about him for this year, so maybe J Jake Ferguson. I know he's not very athletic, but what are your what were your thoughts on that move there at tight end? Yeah, so Schoonmaker playing in that Michigan offense just didn't get a ton of opportunity to showcase his skills as a pass catcher, especially because they they were pretty loaded at tight end last year. I mean, they had um, a kid that transferred to Iowa. They got they had another kid that was a true freshman that was one of their standout players. I think there's he probably has a lot more pass receiving chops than people thought coming into the process, which is why many people had him ranked, you know, much lower than a second round pick. I kind of had a day, a fringe day two grade on him, you know, that late third, early fourth. Um, so I wasn't super surprised to see him go this early. I think ultimately he comes in and he, he actually is kind of similar to Dalton Schultz in a lot of ways in the way he moves. I think he's a little bit better athlete, maybe a little bit better as an inline blocker coming from that Michigan scheme. He's going to have a, a, a lot of reps under his belt as a blocker blocks really well at the second level. Um, you know, and th there's a lot of these, I guess the, the West coast run scheme is going to require Schoonmaker to be very good at digging out linebackers and getting, getting his hands on safeties at the second level. So I think that bodes well for him, but like you said, I mean, develop developmental curve for tight ends is typically a long process. Jake Ferguson, you know, showed signs last year that he was a, a functional tight end. Uh, Peyton Hendershot is another guy to keep an eye on. I, I actually like Hendershot better as a, as a prospect than Ferguson and, um, I think ultimately it's going to be a committee approach this year for those guys. Joe Graham, yeah. uh, fantasy stuff going on here. We're going to get to the uh, the backfield. I want to get Mr. 
Kaplan's thoughts on, you know, Deuce Vaughn, the likelihood of uh, Zeke Elliott coming back. Dak Prescott, it seems like, Graham, the entire industry or the majority of the industry seems to be pulling back a little bit from Dak Prescott. What, what do you talk about his outlook here and your interest in Dak? Yeah, for fantasy, the, the question with Dak is how much is he going to run? And I think at this stage of his career, we we kind of know he's he's limited to being a pocket passer. So that's going to cap his ceiling for fantasy. Um, I have Anthony Richardson right behind him in my best ball ranks. And I've been staring at it. And I, I think I'm almost at the point now where I want to put Richardson above Dak just because Richardson is such a freak. Uh, ceiling's a little higher because of his rushing ability. But yeah, I mean, Brett made a point earlier. It's like, we know McCarthy wants to run the ball, but how much is he going to do that in practice? And you look at his team, like you're, I'm looking around. I mean, I think they're going to air it out, man. I mean, you look at the, the addition of cooks Gallup back off the ACL. Uh, Tony Pollard is not a guy you're going to get more than 250 carries at most. Uh, they could make a move in for agency, but I think structurally this team is still built to throw. Joe can CD lamb do any better than he did last year with 156 targets in 17 games and a career high catch rate of 69%. I don't know if he can do much better than that. Yeah, but I still have him ranked firmly uh, in the first round. Uh, oh, yeah. I have him. I, I've been absolutely gobbling up um, a CD lamb, AJ Brown kind of turn uh, in best ball so far. Um, which gives me a lot of options because um, I, because you could stack them with Dak. Maybe you can get Hertz um, in the third if it's not a if it's not a, a a draft where people go nuts for quarterbacks. But ultimately, um, I'm kind of with Graham. I like, and maybe this is more of an Adam question. Like, if the Dallas Cowboys want to like run the ball a ton, it doesn't look like the room as currently constructed is the is going to be enough ronald jones is there rico dowdle uh deuce vaughn weighs 138 pounds um, what? what joe you're not excited for rojo to get 150 carries in 2023 no i'm not <laughs> um, well there's a lot of talk about zeke returning to the cowboys yeah i Adam. actually i think there's some merit to that he what market does he have right now besides right. Dallas? you know what do you think adam yeah, so yeah, Deuce Vaughn is only five foot five and one eighty. So yeah, he certainly cannot be the number two running back. He's a changeup. They'll, they'll have to figure out kind of how he'll fit in. But yeah, they're going to have to add a better running back besides. You can't ask Pollard to grind out carries. It's just not built that way. So it's obvious they have to do something. Um, now the thing is they've got leverage here to whether it's Zeke or somebody else. We're after the draft, so they won't have to pay very much. Um, so yeah, they. I would agree with the sentiment here. It's they have the personnel to spread the ball out. There's no question with Gallup coming back. Now, this is almost two years after the ACL. He's got to be mm -hmm. better. Yeah. He is there. He's built to be a shot play player. That's why he's there. And whenever he, now he's not going to get a ton of snaps compared to Cooks and Lamb. But when he's in there, you know it's you know what he's going to do. They're going to take shot plays. Yeah. And and final thought too. Uh and I guess it's wrapping up what, what everyone said, you know, with Gallup presumably in better health, with Cooks added to the mix probably a lot more a, a lot of 11 and you know fewer fewer formations with like two three tight ends on the field maybe that's how they get through this first year with the rookie luke schoonmaker let's move on here on the fantasy points 2023 nfc powwow gearing up for the season the philadelphia eagles adam i'll go back to you 
Brian Johnson, not the lead singer of ACDC, uh, an offensive coordinator taking over, taking over for Shane Steichen. So let's start there. I know it's a impossible question to answer, but, you know, what are we looking at here with Steichen gone? Is it a potential learning curve here for Johnson and a little bit of a drop off in terms of how sharp they were offensively? Well, there are a couple of things. Johnson did call the plays at University of Florida for a couple of years. So he does have play calling experience. Now, the, the big part of this, the, the secret sauce to their, their passing game, and just really structurally is Kevin Petullo, who got promoted. Uh, he's, he's the one who puts the game plan together with the coaches. He's really good, and he could have left. Um, so the Eagles definitely, the Eagles, Eagles really value him. So he got promoted. So he'll help Johnson, and so will Sirianni. The play callings that are Johnson hasn't done it at this level, so we have to see. But the personnel with Zacchaeus now will probably be there. He should be their slot of request Watkins. I expect him to yeah. win that job. He's a shot play guy once in a while. Oh, uh, you can't right, right. He's uh he can do everything. You know, he's a smaller guy, but he can run. And with Swift in there, they're gonna be spread. They're, they're not gonna be a heavy 12 personnel, they'll be more eleven. And you kind of know what they are. They've got incredible personnel. Some of the best personnel in the National Football League. It uh the There'll be a battle in training camp, first time in years, uh, really since, gosh, 2016, 17, 18, that area. They haven't had one because it's been Miles Sanders, but it's going to the, – the, the, the main role will be Swift versus Penny. I expect Swift to win that. Gainwell, unfortunately, because Swift, there, Swift is there, is going to lose that third down roll eventually, if not week one. That's pretty much it. I mean, it's all systems go. They're going to be passing off. You think, you think Swift wins the – "Quote unquote starting job over yes. Penny." Yes, I do. Okay, but you don't project Swift to have more carries than Penny. Right. Well, let's put it this way again, and we'll get through this as we get through both conferences over the next two weeks. A starting running back does not mean three hundred touches, particularly yeah. in this offense. Yeah, they've got Gainwell. I mentioned Swift, Penny, Boston Scott, who won't go away. The giant killer. And I'm telling you this: if he makes it, he's going to have some sort of role. I just don't know what it'll be. It's early in May. They love Trey Sermon, like. <laughs> Like yeah. whatever happened in San Francisco, you know, I, I mentioned this to you, John, two years ago or whatever mm -hmm. it was last summer, why yep. they cut him. He's got himself together and apparently had great practices last fall. He's I, it's hard to keep five backs. I mean, it's teams just don't do it. But if this guy makes the team, he might he, he would have a role. He probably would dress on game day. Well, Brett Swift has never had more than 151 carries in a season. Of course, Rashad Penny has never had more than 119 carries. So Swift has got him there. But, um, you know, ideally, I would imagine it would be optimal if Penny had, you know, 1.5 carries for every one for Swift or something like that. But your thoughts on Swift and Penny in this backfield, the data, I'm sure, is just explosive all over the place, right? I mean, everything looks good. Yeah, I mean, on paper, if if you could promise me those two guys would be healthy for an entire season, I would say this is one of the best backfields in the league, um, especially as far as the way they contrast with each other, right? So Penny yeah. is a, he's an absolute brute of a runner. He's very hard to tackle, force missed tackle right through the roof, yards after contact. He is he is a creator with power. DeAndre Swift's a creator with elusiveness. Um, together they make a really dynamic backfield. I just have major questions on you know how long that pairing is actually intact um swift had a very part-time role last year and still couldn't manage to um the issue with swift and penny is a little different swift is a, a little less willing to play through 
minor injuries where Penny's obviously had like a, a gazillion catastrophic injuries. So yeah. I do wonder if Swift returning home and the change of scenery and him playing for his hometown team kind of encourages him to be a little tougher and, and mentally strong. And maybe that winning environment will kind of just propel him to, to, I guess, be a better football player all the way around. If that's true and those things happen and Penny stays healthy, then holy crap, look out. This, this, uh, this backfield is going to be explosive. Well, they should be in good shape regardless between Swift, Penny, Gainwell, Boston Scott, Scott Boston, and maybe even Trey Burt, uh, Trey Sermon. So we, we've got a lot of trays or a lot of uh, options here at running back here. But Joe, I'll go to you. Uh, you are Mr. Philadelphia Eagles. You used to uh, even work for the website here when I hired you way back in, uh, what was that, the 90s? I don't even know. But um, 2009. Jalen Hurts. We've been very high on Hurts the last two years. However, boy, that that cost has really climbed yeah. now, and he has gotten hurt the last two years. Uh, what do you think about Hurts? I mean, obviously um, the guy's going to produce when healthy, but I don't know about ADP wise if I'm taking him. Yeah, it's well, I think the 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 late round quarterback thing. You can still get some functional ones, but I mean, you go to an underdog best ball draft right now and see how many quarterbacks are going inside the top sixty picks. It's a lot. Jalen yeah. Hurts is going inside the top 25 picks. Very rarely can you get him past the uh past the early third round. Um, so you're look, you you get what you pay for. The Eagles did an unbelievable job. They didn't have to do a ton to the offense. They rebuilt the running back room. The offensive line is still elite. And that leads me to, I mean, really two very nitpicky questions for Adam, who obviously knows the team intimately as well. Do they do they a little bit surprised they didn't try to upgrade on on Quez Watkins. Maybe Zacchaeus can do that, Adam. Yeah. And number two, how confident are they that Cam Jurgens can play right guard? Well, okay, let's go to Zacchaeus. Yes, they believe that he could be an upgrade. That's why they signed him. Uh, he should be their main slide. He could play outside, but he's smaller. So, yeah, he'll be – he could play the Z position, but he, he really should be able to beat out Watkins. Watkins had a very rough year now. He had a shoulder injury, he said that contributed to the problems that he had, but he really dropped off. And it's a case is on a one-year deal. They gave him some guaranteed money at signing, which is interesting. Also from Philly, also from Philly. Yeah. yeah, Another one for St. Joe's prep. Yeah. It's really crazy. Well, actually he's from Jersey, but he went to St. Joe's prep with with Swift for for a year or two. Yeah. So Graham Barfield. um, Oh, sorry. You done Adam? Yeah, no. And they're they're not, I expect Joe Tyler Steen to win the right guard job. It would be a small. Oh, wow. Yeah, if he didn't, it would, I would I would call a small upset. I know he's got to learn the position, but this is a Jeff Stoutland special. There's a reason why they drafted this guy in the third round, where other teams I spoke with had him a little bit lower. Stoutland believes in him. This is his guy, and I would expect him to win it. Graham, do you think that Devontae Smith, wide receiver, of course, is worth a second-round pick? I mean, last year's standing would say yes, but, man, that that's a little – pricey here he's right there on that cusp let's call it 25 overall uh you paying that price i am yeah and and it's one of those things where it's like the eagles have like the perfect passing offense for us right like we know exactly where the ball is going to go between these three guys it's going to be brown it'll be smith and goddard and for fantasy like that's super valuable to me like having a super concentrated passing offense and uh, we saw it last year devonta smith was almost better than aj brown like i i hesitate saying that because i've had aj brown as my dynasty wide receiver one at, at certain points because he's such a beast but um i mean devonta smith man they've got two number ones um 
I think, you know, his ceiling sure is a little capped. You can make the T Higgins argument where it's like, he can't really do much better than wide receiver eight because the guy in front of him is just a beast. But all of that being said, I mean, Devonta Smith is a beast in his own right. As long as we're getting 25, 26% of the targets, like we saw last year. Yeah. I think the price on him is just a lot more efficient. You know, I love getting him sixth round last year, John, but uh, yeah, second, early third round makes a ton of sense for him. A lot of continuity, not not a lot of mystery here other than the backfield in Philadelphia. Dallas Goddard back. He's a top eight guy, top seven guy. And Brown, Smith, Little Zacchaeus, good old line, Jalen Hurts. Big question in the backfield. Let's move on to the New York Giants. And I'm going to go to you first, Brett. Um, I'm not sure where you've ever been with uh, Daniel Jones. I've always been, I, I would say, a little bit of a Daniel Jones apologist, um, especially early in the career. I was very encouraged by that rookie year. We kind of like lost track of him for a couple of years. I didn't bother because I, I just knew the vibes were terrible. Jason Garrett was brutal. We all know what happened last year. It went as good as anyone could have possibly envisioned with Brian Dayball and the offense with Danny Dobbs. So much so that my man was like just fumbling, bumbling, stumbling all over the place as a rookie. And then last year he had like the, the best interception rate in the league and he fumbled like four times. So let's start there because you know, they have done so much to improve the situation around Daniel Jones. And based on his showing last year, based on Dayball being awesome and Kafka being really good, I just don't see how he fails. Honestly, your thoughts on this guy's development and his situation this year. I love the, I don't like Jalen Hyatt, but they needed a Jalen Hyatt. I like how they got a center. I mean, granted, they got 46 slot receivers, but they now have depth here. Your thoughts here, Brett, on Daniel Jones. Yeah, so I like to call Daniel Jones sucralose Josh Allen. Yeah. He's, he's Josh Allen if you're on a diet and you're trying to avoid the sugar. Um, <laughs> very, very similar skill set there. He's just a, a light man's version of it. So I yeah, I really like what they're doing. When you, when you look at the track that Buffalo took to getting Josh Allen improvement in the accuracy and the way he reads defenses – they did it with giving him true separators, speedy receivers that could that could make a difference in the short, intermediate, and deep parts of the field. And they they attacked it with volume this year. They didn't go out and get like, you know, an AJ Brown caliber receiver, but they did right. go out and they right. got they added Paris Campbell and Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt, and they brought back Sterling Shepard. So I think you know as good as Jones played last year, they're they're doubling down and supporting that that contract decision by giving him all these weapons. You mentioned the center and John Michael Schmidt. He's a he's a dude. Um, he's going to make that offensive line a lot better. I every all the arrows are pointing up for Daniel Jones, and I've, I've actually targeted him myself in fantasy. I know I'm not a, a fantasy guy per se, but I've been yeah, no, been going hey. after him in dynasty leagues for sure. I mean, the dude was top twelve. He was a QB one last year with like randos at receiver here, so it, it's looking really good. Uh, Brett, I'll stick with you real quick before we move on, but Eric Gray. I thought he's pretty good. I mean, watching him at uh, Mobile, I'm like, I know he's not the biggest guy. He's probably an RB, too. But I feel like he's a guy, if you need a, to call on him for two, three weeks, Saquon's down, let's say. I feel like Eric Gray can get it done here. Your thoughts on this guy? He's got a three-down skill set and, you know, makes you miss. He's got some juice. So what are your thoughts? He was a, a fun guy to watch because he doesn't have, like, a, a skill set he's lacking in. 
He's right. kind of just good at everything, or, or I should say average at everything and a little bit above average at other things. Yeah. One thing that stuck out to me is down at the Senior Bowl when they were doing a lot of the one-on-one pass drills, he was tearing dudes up, and like he did not put that on tape, and he had a lot of moments where we were like, who the hell was that? Like, yeah. It was great. He, he was shredding, so I think there's some upside there as a, as a pass catcher as well. Um, I, I love him as a rotational back with, with Saquon. I think he, he's yeah. got some yeah. juice to his game as well. I, I really yep. like the it's another good move, Adam. Uh, I mean, the GM here and Dayball, this new regime, they, they clearly know what the hell they're doing. They have a plan. Uh, any thoughts on on what we've all outlined here? I mean, how does Daniel Jones fail? I, I feel like I'm really underselling him with 20 touchdown passes, yet he comes in, spoiler alert, QB 10 on our board here with our forthcoming projections. Yeah, Dayball's got a great support staff from Kafka, the offensive staff, the receivers coach, the, the offensive line coach. He's just, you know, I told Giant fans this before last season started, they're going to be much better than you think is that coaching superior and that turned out to happen. The, the one issue they have on offense was at center. You got my, uh, John Michael Schmitz, who's yeah. one of the top two centers. That was yeah. at center was a big problem. Feliciano was really a backup. They, yeah. their interior of their line, they were playing guys who they, they didn't want to have to play, but they had a bunch of they had like four or five guys hurt last season, but all the guys that are under contract were hurt last season are ready to go, so that helps. So their line's going to be better. You add Waller, and they they need an athlete. They certainly need an athlete at the tight end position. They got Barkley's back. It's on the tag. Hyatt could run. I know he's not a consistent player, but he could run. Now the one issue I have, John, is the receiver core. You mentioned all their slot receivers. Mm. Is it better than last year? Yeah, but Wondell Robinson major injury. Shepard major injury. Hodgins now full season, see how he can handle himself. We know about Paris Campbell's injury history. Jamison Crowder's injury history. Colin Johnson, who they actually liked last year, towards Achilles. There's a lot to count on here with a bunch of guys who were hurt last season. So we'll see how it goes. But the group as a whole unit is better. Waller's a big key, Joe, in in my opinion, you know, because he can kind of be your one, really. Like, if he's healthy – he can be your your primary guy, you know, with other close seconds and thirds, and then you kind of piecemeal it from there. Uh, the problem, though, Joe, is other than Waller, uh, what wide receiver are we targeting here? I, I don't see one that, that really jumps off the screen to me, honestly. They have a million slot receivers on this team, um, and it's really um, – even Jalen Hyatt, you know, who you look at these deep threats and you're like, well, that's that's a guy who plays outside. Jalen Hyatt did a significant portion of his damage in college from the slot, and he's running he's running basically with 15 yards of cushion and just yeah, running by everybody. Least. Not yeah. going not going to happen in the NFL. Right. The thing about Waller is they very clearly – view him as their their big receiver like that's mm. that, that they made the trade they haven't really signed somebody who can do that or drafted somebody who can do that but for fantasy purposes I have no freaking clue what to do with Darren Waller because I think there's a legitimate chance that the guy's just washed yeah so yeah, it, it's yeah. a really tricky projection for me I don't know where Graham has him um but Waller is a super tricky projection for me um and and if he stays healthy, he's going to lead this team in receiving. I just don't know how confident I am in that. Yeah. Graham, y- your thoughts? I mean, w- we need you to predict the future. Will Waller stay healthy? I mean, I know that's yeah. a difficult question, but uh, I know our guy Scott Barrett had an issue with my projection for Waller, but he also has to understand that's a per-game basis. So if 
when the projections are uploaded and you sort by points per game, Waller will be a top six guy, but I'm not going top six for a guy who's 30 plus and is, you know, obviously last year was a catastrophe. At least Graham, he did come on strong late though. Yeah, I I share a similar concern to Joe that he might have lost a step. But if you look at some of the, the metrics, especially like um, yards per route run on when he was lined up as like an inline tight end, I think he's going to line up more inline as right, opposed to like being right. a big it was like He was still really good. good. Yeah, right, he was yeah. still really, really good. So maybe maybe the Giants and Dable have um, an idea that they want to play him more on the line of scrimmage as opposed to a big slot. The other thing is like Dable is a former tight ends coach. Uh, at Alabama like he kind of knows what he's doing with these guys so uh, look Waller if he stays healthy I'm projecting 24 25 percent target share and then the rest of these receivers like they're just going to rotate it'll just be who's healthy right. who fits the game plan uh, I think Slayton will be the only constant on the outside yeah I mean I wish I knew Sterling Shepard's status I mean Jones loves Sterling Shepard but I mean we can't count on this guy for more than like five quarters of action let's move on here one thing they're paying Slayton six million this season, right? But on, on Graham's point, to justify it, he's going to have to get the football. We know he's not a high volume guy, right? But there's only one receiver you could have. As, as great of a story as Hodgins was, uh, right? Came out of right. nowhere, great story, no doubt about it. I know some people around the league I've talked to question whether he's a starting NFL receiver. Slayton's that one guy. And one other thing on Waller, the Raiders were trying to move him. It's crazy. They 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 signed to an extension one year later. They they don't want him on the roster. Yeah. So what do they know? He turns 31 this fall. As Joe said, maybe so. We'll see. Yep. Moving on to the Washington Commanders. And Adam, I'll go back to you. Any any word yet on the, I guess, the leash that presumed starter Sam Howell has? Because I know they're paying Jacoby Brissett a good amount of coin. It just feels like, yeah, we'll give you a shot, Sam Howell. But if we're struggling, uh, even before Halloween, you know, they might pull that plug. Oh, sure. I mean, it's it's real simple. He, They have to win with him. And that's – they're not going to ask him for a lot. I mean, they gave away the answers to the test back at their, their closing press conference this season. I mean, Martin Mayhew, the GM, and, and Ron made it clear they don't want him throwing. They will, Actually, whoever the quarterback is, unless Hal, unless Hal bombs and training camp, he'll definitely be the starter. But – I would project, unless they're behind 27, 28 attempts a game, they're not going to ask them to throw the ball a lot. They're yeah. going to be committed to running the football. This is Ron. This is what Ron wants. Now, the enemy will bring in the Andy Reid system. Not, not everyone's going to call it the same way Andy does. Mike Kafka doesn't call it the same way Andy does. So Eric, the enemy knows it's run the football, win with defense. It's not what we want because you look at the past target group, it's pretty good. That's not the way. Ron doesn't care about that. He wants to hide the quarterback, run the football, win with defense. They want to win 17 to 14. That's what they want. What's the word on Eric Bieniemy though, when it comes down to designing the passing plays and calling passing plays? That's the big question with Bieniemy, right? Sure. I mean, he's a, he's a run game run game guy by trade. Uh, Kafka was their their pass game designer when they worked together, and he always called the plays. Herks is heavily involved in it, but uh, I would say it's remains to be seen. But again, he's got Andy's playbook. He he can use the diversification of the personnel, which is which is Andy's a, a master at. He's phenomenal at it. So you would think the enemy would work for him for several years. 
Yeah. Also played for Andy and Philly in 2000. So he's going to bring in what some of those concepts. But uh, as I've told you, John, for 20 years, we work together. Play calling is an art. Not everyone can do it. It sounds good. But until you've done it, it may not look the same. I mean, this could go either way. I mean, they have plenty of talent here, yeah. especially at receiver um, and they in the backfield. They don't want to throw it. They right, don't. right. But, you know, if they have to throw it when they do, it, it could not go very well, basically, with a completely unproven Sam Howell. He's got an arm. I'll say this. See, he does. He's got he does. an arm. He's smaller than you like, but he could, he could spit it. I mean, but he's the perfect guy, Brett. Run the ball. You know, he's like Ryan Tannehill, right? Run, 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 because he doesn't necessarily throw a great touch timing anticipation. So you run, 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 play action, work off of that. Is that Sam Howell in a nutshell? Is that something close to what Sam Howell is? Yeah, for sure. The, the play action stuff is going to be huge for them. It's depressing to hear Adam say they don't want to they don't want to throw the ball because receiving right. core is <laughs> delicious, to say the least. Um, I love the combo of McLaurin and Dotson, and then Curtis Samuel is a really good three as well as a as a slot guy. So, but I mean, Howell is a guy. He's a really good athlete too. Like this is a guy you can you can start to build your offense similarly similarly to the way the Giants have to the way the Eagles have, where you're constantly putting defenses in conflict, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of read option tags. I would love to see them go that direction. And, and Biennemi's done it in Kansas City. Well, at least the, the staff he worked on did it in Kansas City. So a lot of read option tags, a lot of RPOs. Some of those, if they're going to throw it, you know, put put those second-level defenders in conflict and, and, and hit those back yeah. slants, things of that nature. I think that would yeah. benefit Sam Howell's skill set really well. And then you can take shots as you as you get that defense to cheat and trigger the run early. That's like a real trend now, right? Like it's it's one thing like, okay, great. You run, great. But we're going to use your threat to really help put you in a good spot, right? I mean, Adam, is that what Shane Steichen essentially did with Jalen Hurts the last two years? Oh, with RPOs? Yeah, sure. No doubt. And yeah. Obviously, he, he was a major part of their run game. We didn't really talk about it with Billy. But getting back to this, uh, Brett's right. I mean, you look at McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel could play. I know he's overpaid. I get that. Deami Brown is their poor. Logan Thomas is finally healthy. I think you love that kid, Amani Rogers, a former college quarterback. Cole Turner's a slot tight end. There's so much there for passing the football, but I'm just telling you the way Ron thinks. He's like a lot of these guys. And ironically, who's his defensive coordinator? Jack Del Rio. Yeah, you yeah. What's coming there. yeah old school. Well, hey. um, what are they going to do at tight end? I, I was a little surprised. I guess they're they'll see if someone emerges hope logan thomas can hang in there for another year i guess but adam i was a little surprised they didn't dip into this deep tight end class um well they're paying logan's they decided to keep him with no he's he's got a salary cap number almost nine million they kept him he's you know he's had injury problems but they like cole turner out of nevada i know that for a fact uh he's a he he didn't play much, but he's just, he can run, John. He's the kid we sold the senior ball two years ago at 6'6". Mm-hmm. They have enough there. John Bates is, is, is a wide tight end, mostly. So, yeah, they, they got plenty there. I mean, they they just – their issue has been the offensive line. We don't want to make this an offensive oh, line yeah. show. Yeah, but their yeah. offensive line has been a major disappointment. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, you were the one who turned us on to the fact that last year they – didn't love Antonio Gibson. Obviously, the Brian Robinson tragedy might have forced their hand a little bit. And then they come out, interestingly, they draft this Chris Rodriguez uh, in the sixth round now. They said they had a third-round grade on him. Teams say that stuff all the time. 
But is there a chance that this guy does actually get a meaningful role here? Scott Barrett would kill me if I didn't ask that I question, by the way. I'd be surprised yeah. if he did. Now, again, we're only in May, so we're not going to know for a while. But Gibson's got his passing down role. And then you've got Robinson, you got Brian Robinson, who's a lead back. So it's it's pretty much iron out here. And Rodriguez is an interesting kid um, who is compactly built. He's got a lot of bulk to him. No, he should be the Jared Patterson, obviously, who flashed two years ago is certainly in trouble now because Rodriguez should be able to beat him out. And the guy who won't go away, the Jonathan Williams, they brought him back. So yeah, I don't I don't see Rodriguez beating Gibson out. That'd certainly be a surprise. He's got that role. And also, Gibson now is on the final year of his deal. John brought this up on our show a couple of weeks ago, and it's so true. We should we need to take a harder look at these guys on the final year of their rookie deals. There's there's a lot oh, yeah. of history with these guys coming off or you, I forget who mentioned all of a sudden these guys seem to stay healthy. I think Brett said. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is yeah. something I did 20 years ago. But it, it was for really for 15 really years, but it's, yeah. yeah. But it's back being prevalent because, especially now, like, that's like the only, that's like the contract for these running backs. So the most motivated men in the NFL, it seems, are running backs in the final year of their rookie deal because running backs don't matter. They've been hearing that for 10 damn years, too, you know. Uh, Brett, back to you. I watched uh, Chris Rodriguez at the uh, Senior Bowl. I don't know if he stood out. I, I checked my notes. I wrote, uh, big dude, moves fairly well for size, I think, and I thought he was comfortable catching the ball. Is he talented enough to uh, challenge for snaps right away? Maybe as like a, a short yardage situational guy. I think it's funny that they came out and said they had a third-round grade on him. Um that seems a little ridiculous, to be quite honest. I had I had a six on Rodriguez. That's exactly where they took him. Yeah. So I think they got you know appropriate value on him there. But he's a short yardage guy to me. He's a little stiff in the hips. I I don't think he's he doesn't catch the ball poorly, but he's just also not a good mover in space. I don't think he's ever going to win a one on one matchup. Maybe you get him involved in the checkdown game or the screen game, but he's not going to go out there and win routes. So um, and, I I see him as a, a bulldozer right now. And Brian Rob. For fantasy, yeah. both of these guys, Robinson and Gibson, are undervalued, I think, for their roles. I mean, Robinson, like in half PPR, you know, we're talking, sitting here talking about how Sam Howe is going to run read option. And, you know, keep in mind, Sam Howe ran for 800 yards and had like 10 touchdowns in his final year in college. Like, he can move. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to run the ball, both of these backs are are pretty undervalued in fantasy. Uh, and you can make the case for both of them. Robinson is the, the early down guy. He's going to get the touchdowns. And Gibson is like... Finally, he gets this passing down role. You know, JD uh, JD McKissick's gone. Uh, there's definitely a role here for Gibson, and, and both played well uh, to close out last season. Robinson started really slow, then you know, uh, due in massive part to his uh, to his incident, but really started to come on late last year, and then and then Gibson, you know, really picked it up too. So, but I like both of these guys for fantasy. I know that's kind of a cop out, but based on price, I think both are are good picks right now. Yeah, Brett with, with Robinson. I'd like to be decisive. I don't want to kind of ride the fence on it, but um, I'm leaning positive here. Um, what do you think? I, I thought he ran well. I thought he looked good. Something about that uniform. He was a lot more angular than I remember him at the Senior Bowl or or at Alabama here. But what, what were your impressions of Brian Robinson, and what do you think about him going forward? Is he is he still ascending? Yeah, I, I was a huge fan of his coming out. I thought he was a really underrated prospect last year. I had a firm day two grade on him. They get him at the end of the third round. Um, really liked what I saw on tape as a rookie. I know Graham mentioned the slow start, but obviously dealing with what he had to deal with, that was kind of expected. And I think he actually performed really well despite that. 
kind of shocked me. Um, I do. I've heard from somebody. I'm not. I don't remember quite who, but I think he's playing a little bit lighter, at a lighter weight than he was at Alabama. Alabama, he was close yeah. to two thirty. Oh, he definitely yeah. is. Yeah, Definitely. I think now he's down down in the like the the high teens, maybe two eighteen, two nineteen. Yeah, so that that would help a lot, and and some of the the angular movements you're talking about there, I think, I think uh, that's why you're seeing that. But I mean, he he's great for that scheme. If they start tagging read option on all these runs too, I mean, it's he's going to be a nightmare to deal with. I don't think he was with Howell at the Senior Bowl. I remember Robinson on the left side catching checkdowns from Kenny Pickett and Howell, I think, was on the other side. That would have been cool, though, to uh, reunite him with his uh, senior bowl guy. This is the Fantasy Points 2023 NFC powwow where we gather up and, you know, go around the room and get everyone's thoughts on the all the players. And as these teams are being formed here in the offseason, we're doing, like I said, NFC. Let's move over to the NFC North. Brett, it's it's all you. It's all Detroit Lions, baby. Uh, I will ask you though, do you have any concerns about their passing game to open the season without Jamison Williams? Because we are a little thin here. We're going to look at a 33 year old Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, who's probably 30 now at this point. We love Amon Ra, but those two dudes, Jones and, and Reynolds, and a rookie tight end. And not a ton otherwise here. So let me start there. Do you have any concerns? We know what they're going to do, but might Jared Goff, you know, get off to a little bit of a slow start throwing it? Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, so Jamison, Jamison was never really part of their offense last year. So while that is a disappointment, they're going to miss him for six six weeks. He was honestly never really part of the plan. To start last year, you're basically looking at virtually the same group. DJ Chark was coming off the ACL. He was not right to start the season, and he didn't get right until about week eleven, week twelve last year. Yeah. So I mean, they came out, they came out guns a blaze, and they've added Sam Laporta to the mix. Who, from the guys I've talked to, uh, you know, around the organization, it sounds like they're actually going to have him in the some of the Amon Ra St. Brown role that we've seen wow. the last two years. And Amon Ra has been he's been pounding the table to play more on the outside probably for that incoming paycheck he's about to get. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he, he's been on the table to play more outside. I think you could see a lot more 12 personnel from them this year with, you know, Laporta being like a bigger slot type guy who plays that Amon okay. role. And then you're going to see uh, Caleb Raymond also is an insanely productive. I know. Receiver four for them for two years in a row now. I know. So yeah. I really think they like what they, it's all about scheme for them, right? Getting guys open in space. Gibbs is going to help too. Um, assuming yeah. You know, he's going to get the full swift role there, and I, I think he he keeps the the chains moving for them pretty easily in the pass game. Well, I think Brad was coming at that more from an NFL perspective, which is fair. Graham, fantasy wise, though, golf's going to run for like sixteen yards on the season. Yeah. So I'm not that interested in Jared Goff at QB nineteen for fantasy. Well, you got to keep in mind with this team last year. I mean, th- this was the shootout out team for fantasy their defense was so freaking bad they gave up so many points that Goff, like all Goff had to do is chuck and yeah sure they've gotten better uh they've gotten a little better in the back end for sure uh but i still think this defense is a a work in progress especially among the along the pass uh the pass rush uh they're gonna give up points once again i think Goff is appropriately priced at qb19 i think the larger concern is like Okay, if Amon Ra works outside more, that's great. Honestly, I, I think he can do it. They they have no one to lift the lid besides Raymond. Um, right. They really don't 
have a deep threat right now. That's actually my bigger concern for this offense is until Jameson Williams comes back, they, you know, at least for the first six weeks of the season, they don't really have anybody to lift the lift. But I think Goff will be just fine. Yeah, I'm not a big Chark guy, but probably downgrade from uh, Chark to Marv Jones. Uh, Joe, you seem to be all in already on Jameer Gibbs. But you know how we were kind of talking about like assigning, you know, some sort of rating to a player that takes into consideration his projection and cost. Well, when you do that with these line running backs, David Montgomery is a big winner because David Montgomery is going off the board 35 picks after Jameer Gibbs. But talk about what you expect from Gibbs and the backfield. So the, the way I look at it is this. The Detroit Lions last year had two running backs finish in the top 20 in fantasy points per game. They didn't like those running backs because they moved on from both of them. Yeah. And they think they improved on both guys. They signed David Montgomery to a three-year deal, which we know in this day and age is a significant commitment to a running back. And then they drafted a guy with the 12th pick in the draft, which in any era is a significant investment in a running back. Yeah. So – they had two top 20 running backs last year, and they think they improved on both guys. I think, I know like Graham said, oh, like it was a cop-out with the, the commander's running backs. Maybe it's a cop-out with these running backs too, because I like them both at their current cost. Um, Jameer Gibbs is about a fourth rounder. Um, his draft status pushed David Montgomery down the board, and I yeah. think both guys can pay off at their current ADP. Sure, sure. Graham, any any thoughts there? Uh I would have to say, though, Dave is probably the better ROI candidate considering the lowered cost. Maybe, maybe. Keep in mind, I mean, since 2010, we've now seen 12 running backs go in the first 15 picks overall in the draft, right? Uh, including Gibbs and Robinson, the previous 10, right? Nine of those 10 had a top 12 RB1 season for fantasy within their first two years. The only one who didn't do it was CJ Spiller. Uh, Jameer Gibbs with the draft capital, his skill set with this offense, how we know they want to build around their backs. Like I'm right there with Joe. Like I think he's a borderline RB one. I think Montgomery's rightfully pushed down the board just because we're not going to get the passing down work that we thought we could get when Swift was still there. Um, I am definitely bullish on Gibbs. Just, I mean, they told us exactly what they thought of him. They said they were going to take him over Bijan Robinson. I don't know about that, but yeah. uh, they they absolutely love this guy. Adam, do you think Ben Johnson has gotten to a place where, I mean, it it sure feels like we're tr- trusting Jameer Gibbs like we would trust Alvin Kamara in like uh, 2017, even though Kamara was actually slow out of the gate there. Was, yeah, they had Peterson, but it just seems like we're assuming, oh, G- Gibbs is a, has gone to a great offense. We all know the line's great um and a great coordinator so just just assume it's going to work you know it may, maybe it is you know but i'm just playing devil's advocate here are are we making out ben johnson to be a superstar already is that premature what are your thoughts no he's really good the panthers might have hired him had he not backed out you know he right. they wanted to talk to him but he decided he's going to take Another year of seasoning here, which I think is a smart move. I have a high trust. He hits my trusted play caller list, John. He's phenomenal. He's talking the lines about him. He's sure. they kind of knew it early on, and certain things had to happen, and he got promoted, and he handled the role beautifully. He's a really good coach, and I get your question. This is different for him now getting a guy like Gibbs, but the way it works, John, is they always have these meetings for the draft. Like, hey, if we draft this player, what are, you, what are your thoughts? How are we going to use him? 
it's a good combination of Montgomery, the grinder, Gibbs, the explosive player. Montgomery's the lead back, but Gibbs is the guy who's going to make the explosive plays. He'll they'll move, they'll detach him. By the way, Sam Laporte is going to play some slot tight end. It's going to he's, he's going to be a move tight end for them. James Mitchell, they were excited about. Remember, John, I told you about him. He tours ACL Virginia Tech, I think. He yep. came back uh, second half of the season, but they want to take a look at him. They're still a little light at tight end. That, that's a little yeah. concern of mine, but the, the, the concern is now with Williams out, what's the offense going to look like? I would agree early on maybe a little bit more 12, but if Williams, when he comes back from suspension, is in shape, knows what he's doing, he certainly would be a lot more 11. Yeah, I happen to notice that Mitchell, for what it's worth, which is not much, but he caught all tar- every target, eleven targets, eleven catches. But uh, Grant, um, Brett, your your thoughts on the the backfield here? Uh, I have Gibbs with 170 carries to 230 for Montgomery. That's 400 carries for just those two in the backfield. I, I love it. I mean, that's that's their identity. That's what they want to do. You know all the cliches about Dan Campbell. I mean, they are cliches, but they're also pretty true. You know, he yeah, yeah. talks about taking the opponent out into deep water and drowning them. And that's how you do it right there is 400 carries between your top two backs. So I think they like Craig Reynolds still too, guys. I think yeah, chance he gets worked in. They, I know they've gloated about Muhammad Ibrahim, the yep. uh, UDFA running back they signed to, and they, they got Greg Bell from last year who they gave like 200 grand to guaranteed money. So as a UDFA last year. So I, I think they just love the running backs now, and I think you you will definitely see a heavy diet of all those guys. Boy, many, 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 many cases this year of the rich getting richer or teams getting measurably improved in the draft. And as we move along, we go to the Chicago Bears, who I still don't know what that was. I was watching weeks one, two, and three last year. I still don't know. But, you know, everything they've done is – Looks good. Darnell Wright to plug in at right tackle. Um, obviously, DJ Moore. You get a Darnell Mooney uh, potential replacement. Um, you know, they've done a lot of good things here. Uh, they draft for Sean Johnson. Um, it sure seems like, you know, everything's going to work and, and they're going to continue to ascend with Justin Fields in year number two. Um, Brett, I'll go back to you. I don't know exactly where you were on fields i am i'm still a little skeptical i mean i i didn't see enough growth to believe that we're just ready just gonna rocket ship to the moon here this year with justin fields but what are your thoughts on fields in year three here year year two of the system and with this better supporting cast yeah so a lot of the issues he had coming out of school for me were was the processing stuff pre and post snap I think you still see a lot of that on tape, but yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hedge here and say that they found something that obviously works with him. And this is this QB heavy run scheme, right? This is going to open up passing lanes. They didn't have anyone to throw the ball to last year. Let's just be honest. So it is as bad as we want to say fields was pre and post snap last year. It's like, well, he yeah. didn't really have many options They're Right. They, they lack talent across the board and pretty much every, like, I don't like a lot of fantasy guys like Darnell Mooney. I just think he's a mad player. I just think he's okay. Um, adding DJ Moore though is going to be absolutely tremendous for them. I think Fields going into year three, they they have they know what he does well now. They yeah. have this whole scheme built around him. We're you know another one of these situations where we're putting second level defenders in conflict. A lot of RPO heavy stuff, 
a lot of read option stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think DJ Moore is going to he, he's going to elevate Fields to, to the next level, just like we saw with Stefan Diggs, yeah. Josh Allen, and totally ground Jalen Hurts. Except. He's a downfield guy, and we yet we really haven't seen Fields getting his downfield throws going. That's like his strength. He's like an individual play guy. Yeah. Like if you need a long drive, we got to throw the ball. Like good luck. Uh, but you need a brilliant individual play to DJ Moore down the field. Fields will provide that. Absolutely. I feels like he's a, if, if you just take the collection of parts that he is and, and you give them to the right mechanic, he can build you a Ferrari out of that. Right. Right. And I think the, the concern after year one was, do we have a Toyota Prius here? Or do we actually yeah. have a Ferrari? Now it's like they're, they're somewhere in between. Right. And I think it's, it's putting the icing on the cake to get, to get the most out of that. And maybe by the end of this year, they, they feel like they have a Ferrari. Graham, I'll go to you fields basically down the stretch was QB five. Yeah. And it's like they did a ton just to have him maintain QB5 as an ADP for this year, which is probably, you know, that's encouraging. But will you take him at QB5 when the rubber meets the road? I'm going to go with no for me. Yeah. I, I, so, John, I'm on, I'm on the rocket ship. I, okay. I'm, uh, I'm fueling it up. I'm the captain. All and right. I, I'm going to the moon here with Justin. You're Field. the captain now. I am the captain now. Look at me. Look at me. Um, <laughs> all right, no, all right. But in all seriousness, I mean, I, John, if you remember about a year and a half ago, I think I was like the one guy in the room saying like, whoa, I don't know if Justin Fields is like all that accurate of a quarterback and that might like really hold him back. Yeah, uh, It still might. Justin Fields is never going to be top 16 in our accuracy rankings. Like that's fine. But for fantasy, like I'm 100% with Brad. How many, how many quarterbacks have we finally seen get a number one receiver like DJ Moore and take that next step? I think DJ Moore is that quality of player. I don't think he's like the AJ Brown alpha type player, but he's that quality of a player where he really elevates this offense and he can play every position. It's going to allow Mooney to be um, a little more flexible, allow Chase Claypool to be a little more flexible. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to really open up this offense. And oh, by the way, they added two good backs. Like David Montgomery was was great last year, but like I think Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson are two great fits for this offense. They've got, now got three good backs who fit with uh, with this run game. Um, more excitingly, I know we just talked about the Lions here. We're talking Bears. This Bears defense is awful. Like they're going to oh, give awful. up so yeah. many points. True. I mean, Fields is going to have to be the guy. Uh, I just go back to after that slow start last year, John, weeks one through four, zero QB one for uh, fantasy performances. But from that point on, he was nothing but a top 10 scorer at the position. And with yeah. this defense, with these weapons, with the offensive line upgrades, like I'm, I'm all in. I will say to your point about the bear day, um, I finished up defensive team projections yesterday yeah. and they've got to be dead last the bears were dead last and and it prompted me to increase fields's uh attempts uh, for sure uh joe say well let me ask you this way joe i don't necessarily disagree with fields as a pick yeah. but i'm probably not going to do it because again i can get trevor lawrence 25 picks later i think i trust lawrence a little bit more than fields what are your thoughts i trust him more um i don't think lawrence has the kind of explosive upside um the big the big debate for me is justin fields vis-a-vis -vis lamar jackson they're going very yeah. close to each other mm -hmm. and i just trust lamar jackson's track record more i like the offensive coordinator change that the ravens made um i like the fact 
that uh, the Ravens went out. I, I'm not sure. I don't not sure how much Odell Beckham has left, um, but they made a concerted effort to upgrade the receiving core going and getting Zay Flowers. Um, and I just trust Lamar Jackson more. Um, yeah. If, if I've already drafted Lamar a couple of times in the best ball mania and the puppy, um, I don't think I have a fields pick yet. Um, the thing that I do like about fields is it's very easy to stack him with DJ Moore. Um, but Lamar is also really easy to stack with his wide receivers. So that's really been the debate that I've had internally. And I simply just trust Lamar Jackson more. Brett in the backfield, your guy, Roshan Johnson rock solid, but I feel like Deontay Foreman might be a little more explosive, but uh, how do you compare these two bigger backs? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I Foreman definitely is, is like an early down prototype, big and explosive. I just think Roshan is is he just does everything well. Like he right, right. He was right. one of my favorite players in this class. I thought they got great value on him in the fourth round. This is exactly why the running backs don't matter conversation happens because you can get a guy like Roshan Johnson in the fourth round in a lot of years or last year, it was Brian Robinson at the end of the third round. So man, I, I don't know how that, that share is going to work out. It just seems like they don't like Khalil Herbert as much as, as you would think they do based on how yeah. explosive he's been. Yeah. I, Roshan to me is a, is a direct David Montgomery replacement. Like that's how I view it. I Foreman, they only gave him 3 million bucks. Not yeah. not much that was guaranteed one year deal. Maybe right. it doesn't happen this year for Roshan, but I think he's the the long term solution at running back, in my opinion. Real, Adam, real quick, any, real, any thoughts? Real, real oh. quick, John, not to cut you off, but kick it back to you, Brett. How do you square that? Because like Khalil Herbert is really freaking good. Like yards after contact, he was second in the league only to Tony Pollard last year. Missed uh, missed force tackles, he was second behind Nick Chubb. Like small sample, sure, but um, I mean he was really really good for them last year. Yeah, so two things of note with Herbert that when he's on the field, their scheme, it changes. They go to a more, a spread look with all that read option stuff. So he, he on average was seeing le less than a whole box defender per carry than David Montgomery go. was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Montgomery was also used like on four times as many short yardage runs from like heavy personnel. Well, yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people compare the two, the two guys stats. That's right. why I'm bringing Montgomery into this, but um, so Montgomery's, you know, efficiency numbers were a little bit worse than Herbert's, but a lot of that is just, you know, predicated on the types of ways they are being used. Yeah. Um, I do think Herbert's good personally. He just, he's not a guy who likes to do the dirty work. He's really, really bad in pass pro. I think when you have a young developing quarterback, that's a, that's a more valuable skill than the fantasy community likes to realize sometimes. Um, I think that's kind of kept him off the field a little bit. Ro ironically, they take Roshan, who's probably the best pass protector running back in the draft. So mm. that's a good tip, Brett. Be wary of like over-examining YPC for short yardage goal line running backs, right? Yep. Yep. You know, yep. If, I mean, if it's first and goal at the one, dude just got one yard on 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 a carry. Uh, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. And again, I'm t I feel it feels like the NFL is like really reloading this year. And we're, we're, we're getting a whole new crop of uh, fantasy characters. And in Green Bay, it's extremely prevalent. They, they do it the right way. They, they always get the O-line right. It's been right pretty much for 10, 15 years. Um, Adam, you know, uh, what's your general thought on, on J Jordan Love or the word in the street? What have you heard? You've been Very uh, good. Yeah, really good, right? Yeah. See, they, they run in the old the old school West Coast offense by the floor. They're running 
the one they're one running the, the the Walsh offense. So it's not easy to learn. It's completely different that he had at Nevada. And you can't expect the light to go on immediately. And they thought last offseason he really had just did a good job of, of processing. I know it's very limited, but he look, did look get good against the Eagles in that second half. I like the pass target group. I get it's young. There's no experience at all. They're all rookies or second-year players. I mean, it would behoove them to bring someone in who's done it before. But you look at Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Musgrave, and Kraft, DeGuaro will now be stick strictly in line. This is not a bad group. And you mentioned the offensive line. The hope is Bakhtiari's knees right. It's been a while. He's been healthy in three years. But they're they're good. They're going young here. That's that's there's nothing yep. wrong with it. I just wish they had a little bit more experience with past our group. It's almost like if you were if you had to draft an NFL team and get all their skill players for dynasty, like I'm going Green Bay here, top three. Yeah. Uh the way they've uh, assembled the roster here, Brett. Is it possible that Jordan Love excels right out of the gate here, despite the the youthfulness? Because, you know. A, he's been here. This is year damn four. B, he's very talented. C, the the running backs are really, really important here. And then last but not least, D, perhaps, perhaps Jordan Love will embrace this system a little bit more than, than Rodgers did and just, you know, be a point guard back there. I mean, your thoughts on Love. You may think I'm I'm insane in the membrane for that angle here, or you may totally agree. I have no idea. No, I'll say this. I mean, John, I, I come on your show on Sirius every week. I pound the table for teams supporting young quarterbacks. And what did the Packers go do? They drafted yeah. five freaking pass catchers, three receivers and two tight ends. They said, we've got to get better in these areas. I absolutely love the direction. Jaden Reed, John, we've talked a bunch of times. That's before. our guy. My, I yeah. love Jaden Reed. And they needed a, a high-volume guy in that offense. I don't think Watson has the, the profile to be a high-volume guy. He's a big right. guy extraordinaire and he's going to give them a lot yeah. of big plays romeo dubs is definitely more of a three possession type receiver totally yeah getting that high volume slot guy to control the middle of the field and you're partnering him with luke musgrave and tucker craft who are, who's a beast after the catch like jordan love is set up to succeed i know these guys are young but they're all going to grow together so I, I might not be the biggest jordan love guy but i do think they've given him a tremendous situation pretty good offensive line as well obviously the run game is really important to them and they've got two good backs I, I absolutely love what the Packers have done. I hate to say that as a Detroit guy too. It's like just when we thought, you know, the the, the corner was being turned for Detroit to take control of that division, it, it could be short lived because I like the way the Green Bay's team building. Well, stick around because I'm a I was a fan of the Minnesota Vikings before you were born. Okay, and I don't give a rat's ass about the Vikings as it compares to fantasy, and I'd rather uh, Jaden Reed blow up. You know, I'd be fine if Jaden Reed blew up and the Vikings didn't win a Super Bowl in the next 10 years because we ain't winning crap anyway. Um, Joe, I'll go to you. You know, Aaron Jones, he's just kind of there the last two, three years. He's just there. You know, and I've been saying for years that they're likely, like, looking to extend his career, basically, by uh, being judicious with the touch totals there, if you will. I kind of like him in this this environment here uh your and thoughts on these backs i do too um i'm uh looking at some of the underdog drafts that i've done so far and aaron jones is generally available fourth round pretty i mean you can get a a, a pretty cheap investment into aaron jones fifth round um 
and I I do like them in this in this environment. I think they're going to run the ball. I think that's what they want to do to help Jordan Love along. Um, another team where like they have two running backs who are both pretty affordable, and I kind of like them both. And Aaron Jones is part of that. I think he's a guy. If you get run, if you load up on wide receivers early, maybe you drafted say Jonathan Taylor in the first round. He could be your RB two, and I think he could be your RB two for relatively cheap. Graham, any interest in Jordan Love around quarterback twenty? I mean, he's not cheap. He's things are going to have to go well for him just to d- deliver a decent ROI at that cost. But your thoughts? Yeah, for for season long fantasy, I'm not going to be. I'm going to be in the market for an elite quarterback. So I, for, for season long, I won't be there. For underdog and, and best ball stacking, yeah, he's fine. I mean, if you take Christian Watson early, uh, you can bump up Jordan Love. Uh, Love in this offense, though, is just not not one I'm really going to be overloading on. I think there's going to be some growing pains here between just all the youth. Um, Love did look better. Small sample looked much better last year than he did in, in the previous year or the preseason before that. So uh, I do think he's going to be better than a lot of people have kind of like hated on him for. So I'm, I'm definitely right. with you there and, uh, in that aspect, but I, I think we've got a long way to go here. I've got him below CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in my best ball rankings right now. So I'm taking those two rookies over, over love. He might though run a little bit more than people think, you know, maybe that zone read in that offense is a little bit more prevalent, you know, and he, he runs for 250 and, you know, two or three touchdowns. That would help. Let's go to Minnesota Vikings here. Second year under Kevin O'Connell. Adam, I'll go to you first. I know Graham was asking me about the projection I've done early on here, and it's not even published yet, but it will be this week on Dalvin Cook. And bottom line is uh, my spidey sense is telling me that Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, probably about 40 to 50% chance is not even on the team here. But what, what do you think the latest is? Have you heard anything about their plans for Dalvin Cook this year? Yeah, no. Well, the thing is they have not figured out what to do with this contract. That, that's what they're working through. Remember, he had, a shul- he had a shoulder surgery, so you can't cut a guy who's hurt. So once that's done, they'll figure out what they want to do with them going forward. But you can only, fit, you can only talk now – a, if he's on the team, what's going to look like? And if he's not, Madison's the lead back. Chandler and McBride, who I like, was a seventh rounder. It's not for everybody. Uh, would would back up, but then Madison absolutely would be the the, the lead back. That's the way they would look. Like. Brett Dwayne McBride, does he have any chance to factor into the equation as the the guy for the future here for Minnesota? The rookie uh, McBride. Probably not long term. Yeah, um, I think if if they definitely move on from Cook and and Madison's a lead back, I don't think Madison's this extraordinary player where he's going to hold off other guys from getting yeah, touched. Agreed. Yeah. So McBride yeah. in in that type of situation could definitely establish himself as a player. Um, the the college tape is tremendous. It just happened to be at UAB, and he only caught five passes in three years. So yeah. not not going to be a factor in the pass game, but he he does have some skills making guys miss and being elusive and breaking tackles, things of that nature. So I like Ty Chandler. I don't know if you remember him from North Carolina, but that guy's got untapped potential in the passing game. He could line him up out wide. Yeah, I, I like Ty Chandler as well. He was uh, an underrated guy in last year's class, last year's cycle for sure, and. Um, I, I think from what I've heard, they like him too. So that could be, yeah. could be another guy with some good upside there. Yeah. And that, I, I think that's part of it. The fact that they took McBride and they have Chandler and they re-signed Madison so much surprisingly, I'm like, 
Oh boy, I'm adding this up and it doesn't bode well for Dalvin. But so that's it, Graham, to answer your question about that. I don't know what to do with the guy, but yeah. I can tell you this. The one thing I like, Graham, uh, and you mentioned it with the Eagles, it's very similar. Kirk Cousins, hopefully this old line is going to be the best it's been in 15 years. It should be. This should be the year that the Vikings have their best O-line in a decade plus. But we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But we know Kirky is going to be the same guy. And I love it because I know Osborne's there. But to me, I'm doing the projections. I'm digging deep here. It's like when they throw in the football, Jefferson, Hawkinson, Addison, you can pretty much end the list. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Addison is the, it's such a good fit for them because we know what Spielman in this offense, you know, who they value. They want, you know, receivers that can play all three positions. Addison certainly can do that. Uh, he's going to be a great addition next to Justin Jefferson, man. I mean, you know, Jefferson got unlocked a little bit in this offense once they finally had like a middle of the field target that actually had a pulse in TJ Hawkinson late last season. Yeah. Uh, just think about what it's going to be like now that they can have the layer of Addison. Um, Kirk Cousins, I think for fantasy has never gotten the respect he was due. Uh, he's finally getting it now. You're, you're having to pay a little bit of a premium for him, uh, compared to previous years, I should say yeah. uh, the, the ceiling is non-existent because he doesn't run, but I mean, I think statistically this could definitely be his best season yet with all of these weapons and the offensive line upgrades like you, you outlined. Yep. Uh, Brett, you're not a big Hawkinson guy, I don't think. Uh, I'm sure you don't think he's a stiff, though, right? I mean, I, I do have the man with, uh, let's see here, 86 grabs, which I think would tie his career high. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not a Hawkinson guy from the standpoint of, I thought it was absurd he was a top 10 pick in the NFL, and then I yeah. think it's absurd the Vikings gave up a second and third round pick for him. And they're probably going to give him a massive contract. So I'm not a Hawkinson guy from that standpoint, but he's still right. a very talented player. He's still a good tight end, probably yeah. top five guy in the league as far as talent goes. So um, I, I think with Addison in the mix now, he's a perfect complement to what, they, what they're going to do. That trio should be deadly. Let's move on to the NFC South, Atlanta Falcons. And Brett, you are, you know, you've got some ties here to this organization. Uh, you're, 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 seem to be an Arthur Smith. You're an expert on Arthur Smith, apparently. Uh, you know, Dave Ragone. Um, your thoughts on, well, let me just throw out my my initial pre projection for Bijan. 280 carries in 16 and a half games. So, I mean, I'm projecting a, a lot of availability. Uh, but 37 grabs for just under 10 yards of reception. Um, I, I have Algier with 115 carries and cord I basically I have running backs not named Bijan with 200 carries. So your your thoughts on that alone right there. I'm again 280 carries is a lot, but again, there's gonna be room for others. Yeah, well, we know they're gonna run the ball, you know, at a rate that's to their detriment for sure. So um that's uh I, I think you're you're in the right ballpark there. I, I would be heartbroken if Bijan only had 37 catches though at the end of the year. Yeah. He's such that's a talented a, option uh, to I pass, know. Man. I know. <laughs> but that's a lot. That's a lot for a guy who also gets 280 carries, hey, I think. I mean, Brett, the problem is they're only gonna throw it 90 times this year. So <laughs> right. He's getting at least a third of that. Oh, <laughs> well, that um hey. That that factored into it 100. Um, percent That's a nightmare, John. It really is. It, it, Arthur Smith, it, 
you know what's coming. They're not going to let Ritter throw. It's going to be high the quarterback. In fact, they're telling you what they want to do. They didn't even draft a receiver. It's just incredible. Yeah, that's How true. do you go into the season with Mac Collins as a starter? It's a nice story. Mac is a guy could run. He's got great straight line speed. Scotty Miller's your three. Like this is this is not an NFL passing game. Like that's not the way you build your roster. Right. They're telling you what they're doing. They're not throwing the football. That's true. 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 Are, are they going to use Scotty Miller as a basically a you know a prototypical white slot receiver here? Because well, I mean he's, he's been a he's, downfield he's guy. Line up but, outside, but yeah, I would think more inside than outside. Drake yeah. and and Hollins will be your outside receivers. Algier were back up Robinson when they really want to grind carries. Algier could be the closer. I don't know about Patterson yet. I I need to ask someone there what, what their plan is. They're paying him over $5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, And then Pitts. The, the hope here is that Ritter can find some accuracy because we know how bad Pitts was before he got hurt. It wasn't his fault. It's because the quarterback yeah. couldn't hit him. And they're going to be super-duper heavy 12. They're, they're, they will probably, if they're not ranked 32nd and 11 personnel, they'll, they'll certainly be bottom three. Jono Smith will be there. They're mostly their inline tight end. Jono Smith is, as far as I'm concerned, he's been converted to right tackle. Um, yeah, I'd like to ignore him if I could. And Parker uh, Hesse, my guy, Parker Hesse. Oh, yeah. Brett, uh, talk about Kyle Pitts. How much better could he have done last year with better quarterback play? And how much better will he do this year? With better quarterback play, I just don't know how much better, but answer those two questions for me. Yeah, I mean, Pitts is, Pitts is incredible. I, when you put on the tape and you, like, I watch just the plays he's not even targeted on. I mean, you see a dynamic route runner, a dynamic athlete who's basically just always open. Mm-hmm. It's incredible they couldn't get him the ball more. Some of that's on Arthur's shoulders, too. That's not all quarterback play. There were, you know, there there were a lot of times where they just did not go to him. There were, there were games they would open up where – Pitts would get three targets on the first drive and not see another one until the third quarter, fourth quarter. It's just that cannot happen when you have a guy that you've invested a top five pick in with his pedigree, with his talent. It just, it shouldn't happen. So yeah, in theory, the, you know, the only place Pitts can go from last year is up. Right. So even if Ritter takes a small step forward, that should benefit Pitts. The guy I, I, and I'm curious on Adam's take. Have you heard anything about uh, Ryan Tannehill landing on the Falcons at some point? Oh, we talked about that on the radio show today, actually. No. I mean, that just is a natural fit, Brett, because they continue to speculate that, you know, he's uh, I haven't heard pop. that. I mean, it's, it's, they, they got to get, um, they got to get Levis's head right. And the Titans have to figure him out first to see where he's at. Yeah. Levis, um, Levis had, let me see. I'm, I'm told the turf toe injury, two sh- left shoulder injuries. Uh, there's a leadership question with him, which is part of why he dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard absolutely nothing about Ryan Tannehill being traded, and and they got no, they got no interest anyway. There wasn't like teams were beating down the door. In fact, I know they denied this on Derrick Henry. Um, we'll, we'll talk tights next week. I got some great stuff on tights, really good stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, Brett, I I, I know why you went there because it. Boy, it, it makes a lot of sense. That would be a big time upgrade. Matt would be how big would that be for Kyle Pitts? Oh, it would be on an individual play basis, Tannehill can get him the ball. Absolutely. Big time. Um, well, Drake London was mentioned. Uh I've been pretty actively in front on on London here just because of this opportunity. And I, I went back and, and 
thought about the connection there in those four games with Ritter. Everything was up. Targets, it was overnight a game. Catch rate, yard per target. Everything was up. And like I said, they've done nothing. So am I crazy? Or is Drake London one of the best um, ascending picks at wide receiver this year? I've got him at wide receiver 18 with 85 grabs, Graham. Uh, yeah, we got to keep in mind the the games he played with Ritter, Pitts was hurt. I um, mean, with the knee injury. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I, 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 I got it. I've, I've been like fantasy points is number one Kyle Pitts doubter for fantasy. Like I've never been uh, a doubter of his ability or talent or anything like that. But like, I think this is the year to get back in. Like they're yeah. going to figure no, this out. And like, and like Brett was saying, I mean, I remember a number of games last year. Uh, they get him started early in the game, get him targeted. Uh, and he just completely fall off the wayside. The good news is like, they have no one else to throw to. Uh, there was a number of plays last year where, yeah, okay, sure, Arthur Smith could have done a better job of getting Pitts the ball, but like, you know, Pitts was wide open on a couple of throws that Mariota missed him on. So we're we're talking about very very small margins here where Pitts like missed out on a few monster games, and if he has one or two of those monster games, we're not even having this conversation about like, oh, he's bouncing back. It's like, no, he's just coming back from an injury. Yeah, and the price got a little cheaper too. Uh, down hey, to John, Kyle Pitts was a third round pick last year. He's going in the six now. This is where yeah. he should have been going all along. Hey, I was I was proud of myself. I did not have Kyle Pitts on my target list last year, and I'm always about upside. I'm like, you know, no third round, no, uh, but but fifth, six, I'm all in. Fully expecting Johnu Smith to score five touchdowns, by the way, oh, and don't. on on twelve catches. Don't even. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but but is anybody else with me on Drake London? In terms of being, like- I'm more there on Pitts than I am on London. All right. I, I just I I just I I I think this this offense is going to be hilariously outdated. But it's going to be good for Bijan Robinson, who John, you have him at RB three, and I actually think you know I think Scott pushed back on that. I I think there's a good argument for him at RB two, quite frankly. If Eckler gets, if Eckler is not back with the Chargers, you could make the case. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was the this team was third in rushing last year, John. Now everybody in NFL analysis is going to say, well, they didn't need to draft a running back; they were third in rushing. But from our game, we have to say, all right, they're going to plop Bijan Robinson into an offense that was already an elite running offense. That there's going to be massive production here for Bijan. I mean, we could argue till the cows come home in terms of like, oh, you're wasted a pick because you you had Tyler Algier averaging five oh. yards a carry. Whatever. I mean, they Algier, made just... Algier. Guys, Caleb, Caleb Huntley averaged nearly five yards a carry. Right. Right. <laughs> like Bijan's gonna average like six. They like want six. they want some juice, man. And I, I just but the big thing with him is in the past game. I told you, John, on our show, there's really no excuse for Bijan not to have at least fifty receptions. They're mm. they, they're but you look at their pass target. I know they want, don't want to throw the football. I get all that. But you don't draft Bijan Robinson just to have him as a runner. He's he's elite out. He's elite outside of the backfield. I mean, if he you take away the the catches for former wide receiver core Daryl Patterson, Falcon running backs last year caught fewer than thirty balls. I get it, but this guy is a unicorn, man. Because if, honestly, if he catches thirty and he plays all seventeen games, they should they should just quit. I have Bijan Robinson catching like a twenty percent more than the entire running back room last year. Which combined. Is, I mean, I, Huntley didn't even have a catch, right? 
Did he get one? Uh, he had, had uh, he had two for three yards. Harrison, yeah, yeah. Uh, Avery Williams had a, a moment there where he was. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Anyways. I'm, I'm with Adam on that. Bijan is just so special as a pass catcher. I mean, John, we we've talked about it, man. They, when when Texas used him in the slot or out wide, he was running legit wide receiver routes against cornerbacks. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, hey, I I thought I was. Ahead of the curve, giving him freaking 37 grabs. I mean, you guys are going 50. That's John. My, my problem now on your point, John, when I say 50, where I'll agree with you is Arthur Smith has not shown me he has any idea to develop a pass game like none. He hasn't shown none. me yet. No, no. By the way, Derek, Derek Henry needed Arthur Smith to leave the building before he started doing anything in the passing game, but continue. The bottom line is when you draft a guy who is the best running back since McCaffrey, you know why people say that. Because the guy's elite in the pass game. Figure it to bleep out. Don't waste a eighth pick overall. Make him a running back. He's a dual threat back. It's not sure. That's that's not. the best point of all. Like I, I I hear that point and I I agree. Like it's kind of a waste of resources. Oh, he's a running back. Oh, wait a second. He's going to catch fifty balls as too. Much oh. as I don't like Arthur Smith as a play caller. I'm just right. based on what he's done, and we could blame all we want on personnel. There's no excuse here. He wanted this player. Okay, show us. You know how to use. Well, in honor of Brett and Adam, I am upping Bijan Robinson's projection thirty-eight now um, for four ten. Uh, all right, let's move on. And I think we spend way too much time yeah. on these Falcons. Let's go to the Panthers here. And you know what? I understand everything they're doing. I don't really want to draft anyone here, um, other than maybe Mingo late. Uh, Brett, we'll go to you. Bryce Young Mingo would would you have would you have thought of that combo you know pre-draft because we often do see you know teams use their number one pick on a quarterback they go back and they get a receiver from that class uh your thoughts on that combo I I don't imagine that would have come to mind but uh, who knows uh Young and Mingo what are your thoughts when you think about what Frank Reich likes to do on offense he he really likes when quarterbacks play within rhythm and, and structure of the offense Bryce Young can for sure do that, but there's a lot of tape of him not doing that and him, you know, relying really heavily on out of structure plays. Mingo gives him a guy you can structure targets to, you know, whether you're you're working the RPO games, screens, shallow crossers. I think this is all yeah. about just getting Bryce Young in rhythm and and yeah, him yeah. an easy target in the short parts of the field. Uh, Mingo can also win deep too. So I, I think Mingo's yeah. a complete package receiver that can develop into a, a potentially a number one at some point, but I, I just like the pairing from the standpoint of I know Reich really wants that disciplined pocket yeah. passer. So let's get him a target that allows him to play that way. Cause shoot, you look at that depth chart, there's there's they're not working with the whole lot there. So no. it's kind of like Brock Purdy just getting the ball to Debo. Yep. You know? Exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, well, I don't I don't have much else here. I got well, one. I got you one. do Come have on. some good stuff on Miles Sanders, Adam. Go. Oh, yeah. Sanders, I think, um, has a very good chance to be the three down back, which was just interesting because the Eagles did not see that at all. That's why Gamewell took down took the third down role last season. So that's good for fantasy. You know, we know about his injury history. He's back with Deuce Staley, who coached him for two years in Philly. Hubbard's the two. He definitely came on. He did a good job on that role. Just the story of Sanders um, in terms of what he's capable of doing. You have to go back to his rookie season when he had 50 receptions. He 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 could, by the way, he's explosive in the past game. I know it's been three years. He's been a disaster since then. But 
he really surprised us because he didn't he didn't catch the ball at Penn State, and then his hands his bad hands took over. Uh, the, mm. That's why he lost that third down roll. But just that's their thought process, as I understand it. They think it'll be a three down back, and there'll be heavy twelve personnel uh, with Hurst and Ian Thomas and Tommy Tremble. Uh, Chark had ankle. He had a follow up ankle surgery. He's had this problem problematic ankle for years. They think they finally got it right, uh, and then. I would bet Thielen will lead them in receptions. That would be my my thought. If he if he plays like fifteen games, I think he'll still get lead them in receptions. Yeah, Graham, I've got it. Thielen leading them with sixty grabs. Mingo coming in next at forty one. Shark at thirty seven. Marshall at thirty eight. They're like freaking the same guy almost. And then my guy. I told everyone he stunk two years ago. Lavisca Chenault. Uh, Climbing up the rear here, and Shy Smith. Uh, any thoughts on that projected uh, production? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned you in Discord. I think we're a little low on Shark. Um, he came along nicely for the Lions in the back half of last year. Uh, he's really their only deep threat with some juice on the outside. I, I like Shark for best ball. I know you said you're not really interested in anybody in this offense. I gotta say, I love Miles Sanders at this cost right here. I mean, he's going in the back half of the fifth round, early sixth round in best ball drafts right now. I think Adam's right. I think they're going to try to play him on three downs. You look at this depth chart. They only really have Shuba Hubbard behind him. And Deuce Staley was a part of the running back coach room when yep. he was drafted in Philadelphia. I mean, this is yeah. his guy. And that was his rookie season, Miles Sanders' rookie season. That was his by far the, the main season he was uh, – excuse me, that was his by far his highest season in terms of receiving production uh, was that rookie season. So I, I definitely buy it. Um, the other thing is like, he is such a strong fit for Reich's outside zone scheme. I mean, Sanders was one of the best off tackle runners last year in the league. Reich loves to run that outside zone stuff and out of shotgun. I, I think Miles Sanders is an awesome, awesome fit for this offense. And, uh, I think he's massively, massively discounted in fantasy this season. We do have him over the markets currently. And, and I did that projection, so I'm certainly not down on him. but I, yeah, I guess, I'll take them, but I'm not like, oh, I'm not waking up draft day. Like, oh, baby, can't Never. wait to get Miles Sanders. You no, know? I know, John, but it's yeah. like, you know, you start your draft. Let's say you start receiver, running back. You get Jonathan Taylor and CeeDee Lamb. You can oh, yeah. wait. You can wait. You can take three more receivers and get Miles Sanders as your RB2 in the fifth or sixth round. Like, that's that's money. And, John, yeah. what's yeah. he really going to share carry with? Well, no, no one. Yeah, Chuba, Chuba is okay. Chuba stinks, John. Yeah, he was better last actually, year. Actually, Hubbard was. They're, they're pretty happy with him, Joe. He he, yeah. uh, he the light went all with him. He was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The year before yeah. he stunk. The year before yeah. he did stink. Terrible two years ago, but he actually started to come on. In fact, that's why they didn't sign a veteran to beat the, the two behind Sanders. John, they did, they did get Cam about... Peoples though. They did get Cam Peoples, the big back out of App State. Mm -hmm. So what you think about? not being excited to draft Miles Sanders and and th this will go for a guy like Aaron Jones who we talked about as well. Right. Um and there's a ton of other running backs in that range. The thing I have to point out is if you get into underdog drafts, the running backs in that 5th 6th round range are so much more appealing than the wide receivers. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just ridiculous how you much You got to plan accordingly. Yeah, so, yeah, plan accordingly, right? Yeah, load up on receivers. Or I, I mean, now under this, to be fair, underdog is so wide receiver drunk, it's outrageous. But it just has pushed the values to the running back position. You have to go. You have to roll with the punches in those drafts. Let's go to Tampa Bay. Look, I'll cut to the chase. The 
real concern is the new OC, Dave Canales, never calling plays, although I think that's an upgrade over Byron Lefwich from what I saw last year. The loss of the GOAT is Baker. What is Baker at this point? Should he actually become a Baker? Uh, because, you know, the football <laughs> has not been very good. You know, maybe you can get into the donut bagel business or something. But, um, you know, the real concern would be for that they suck, like really bad, and they, they start tanking it, looking for Caleb Williams, and then Rashad White is just in an awful well, situation. John, I would definitely downgrade all the receivers. There's a, now, I'll tell you this, they targeted Mayfield at the Combine. I mean, they really liked his tape. I know it was limited with the Rams, but they, this is guy they targeted. Okay. But, but it is Mayfield. He's not the player he once was. How could you feel bullish on Godwin and Evans when – you have a guy that you don't know how long he's going to last as a starter. I mean, Trask is an arm. He can't move very well is the word I got. Yeah. An arm. And John Wolford is a three. <laughs> yeah. It's poor Baker just turned 28 and he's it's over. Well, maybe not over. Uh, well, you know, uh, Brett, what are your thoughts on? I will say this though. Dave Canales was, um, given a lot of credit for what they did in Seattle last year. I know he never called plays, but developing Geno and the O-line, boy, it should be better. You get Worfs now at left tackle. And then that Cody Maw kid with uh, like three missing teeth. I really dig. I think they and Ryan Jensen back. So they will be blocking it up most likely a little bit better. But do you worry about like a, just a full on straight up suckage this year for Tampa? John, the thing that's, really weird about their offseason is they're they treated it like they're still trying to win the super bowl right right we we reloading or rebuilding they brought, yeah they brought back everybody i mean they brought back the you know jamel dean they brought back levante david and then they went and drafted for need they didn't draft for future yeah, that's true yeah they you went go. you know got the right guard and cody mock or right tackle whatever he ends up playing the their biggest need on defense was pass rushing from the interior that go get Kalijah Kansi. It's like, yeah, Kansi may have been the best player there, but it also seems like maybe you were drafting for need. And anytime mm. you're doing that, that suggests you feel like you're in a win now window. And I know that division is really bad. Maybe they do feel like they can win that division and get to the playoffs and, and, and cause a headache for somebody. But I just felt like it was a really strange application of resources all off season. And, yeah, I think the, the risk is definitely that they suck. I mean, they, they sucked last year. They had Tom Brady. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Then again, they are in that damn uh, NFC South. So you could you could suck for three months and still be right in the thick of it uh, to make the playoffs. Is is Rashad White a tough one to grade? Like, I mean, look, the hands were unbelievable, but I mean, it was an impressive run in the rock. But that said, he was probably better than Leonard. So I mean. How do you grade Rashad behind this depleted O line last year? Or do you, I mean, what do you do with that information? Yeah, his, I mean, his efficiency metrics were awful. Um, his ability to create beyond his blockers was was really poor too. So it it is really hard to grade because the circumstances. It seems like regardless of that, when you have the pass catchers they have and you have Tom Brady as your quarterback, you should be able to to run the ball better than he did. It was disappointing because I loved him coming out. Ultimately, I think he can really only go up. The thing that's concerning is I think uh, Jeremy Fowler reported today that they're looking at Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott as a potential guy that, that could rain on Rashad White's parade pretty quickly there. But, but that would continue the narrative that they're going for their gusto, baby, right? Like, that's sure. not a rebuild. Uh, they don't have a number two. The, the problem is they don't have a number two. Chase Edmonds right. is really not a guy you right. can Brian carries with. They, right. 
They need another back. There's no question about it. Keyshawn Vaughn's on the last year of his deal. He's failed to impress. Sean Tucker's there. Who has a chance to he could be a, a factor. Yeah. Yeah. But They're so desperate. They signed Ronnie Brown. Okay. Running back Ronnie Brown. Uh, uh, no, it's a different one out of Shepard. Uh, just, just threw that out there. But yeah, yeah, that, that would be the concern. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe Baker can just hold down the fort. The defense isn't awful and they block it up a little bit better. I, I'd like to see Rashad, you know, actually with some stuff blocked up for him. Uh, but Brett, do you do you agree though? Like some of the best hands I've ever seen on a running back. Oh, he's he's got great hands, natural receiver for sure. Yeah. Uh, moving on here, the New Orleans Saints. Well, this is um, Adam. We'll start in the backfield with the Kendra Miller selection and Jamal Williams. You know, what's the latest on uh, your thoughts on Kamara? Like, do you, do you put him on another team? Do you no, put about no, six it's games? A of, it's a matter of does he get the six-game suspension or not. By, by by the letter of the law, he should, but th- there's nothing definitive yet. So it'll be Williams as the two. They're paying to be the two. Miller will be the three. Dwayne Watson only plays some specials. you got, you know, Benjamin's there. There's not a lot of mystery to what this is going to be. We know what their offensive line. They're all back. Uh, Penning now will be the full-time left tackle. The question is, can Michael Thomas stay on the field? Now, could Rashid Shahid, what his role is going to be, he'll play on the outside. Uh, and they love Juwan Johnson, man. They paid him really, really well. Yeah. Stuck with Taysom Hill because of his contract. And there's not a lot of mystery to what this thing's going to be. Well, are, are we going to be more 11 with uh, Adam Troutman moved off the team here and and A.T. Perry being drafted? I mean, the, the Juwan Johnson and Taysom Hill. That that would I I don't know what what formation you're in when Taysom Hill's on the field. John, though, John I I love that you wanted to be. We haven't posted the initial projections yet, but I love you being aggressive on Jawan Johnson. I will say this, and I want Adam's opinion on this, John. I I looked at our initial projection run again, not posted yet, guys. Um, I thought you were really low on Chris Olave. Um, oh yeah, I already moved. I already moved yeah. him up. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah. How do, you, that... how do they feel about Olave, Adam? Love him. No, he's yeah. been everything they thought he would be. He's probably been a little better, I would say. Uh, and it's just they don't – yeah, in fact, they don't really have a number two. Taysom Hill's not an inline blocker, so they, they're probably going to have to look at another tight end. Uh, I, I'm interested to see – because it's Dennis Allen being the head coach, and they don't want to be pass-happy with Derek Carr. But with if, if Thomas could just stay on the field for like 14 games with Alave and Shahid – and they want him to have a bigger role. He, he he turned out to be a little bit better than they expected. Yeah. What this thing could look like. Again, you're not going to be pass heavy, but when they do throw the football, you've got Alave, who's a borderline stud. He's the opposite is very good. He's ahead of schedule. And Shahid's a kid. They're trying to figure out what his volume could be. He he might, I know a lot of people are pegging him just to be a deep breath, but he, he certainly mm. can do a lot more than that. Yeah. And Joe. I certainly understand Alave, you know, the upside, you know, I'm, I'm never going to back away from that, but to explain why I didn't have him with yeah. a little bit more, I, I think it's what Adam just said. Um, you know, would Michael, can Michael Thomas somehow play a whole year? If so, that's going to take away, but I really do think Rashid Shahid is still ascending. Um, Brett, do you have any thoughts there? I, I don't know if this guy is just a deep threat. The Saints are really good at finding guys come out of nowhere, and I feel like they did that with Rashid Shahid. Uh, any thoughts on this kid? Yeah, for sure. So 
obviously he came out of nowhere. He was off my radar even, and I watched, you know, uh, 300 prospects every year. So um, he was off my radar. But a stat that we have at uh, Fantasy Points Data that's not quite publicly available or even available to you guys, which we're still working on it, is uh, separation charting. Um, we chart separation every single play. Shahid, just taking entry-level glimpses at that, he ranks really highly in separation really charting. High. Obviously, it's a limited volume. Now, the, the caveat there is Olave also ranks very, very high. I think Olave was a top five guy last year in the entire NFL as a rookie. So that's going to be um, – yeah, so, I mean, they found two guys that can separate really well. I think that just bodes well for the offense in general. So I'm not sure Shahid's much of a threat to Olave, but I definitely think they found a guy there that can play. Yeah, yeah, Graham, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts here? Um, Olave, talent-wise, I would say would – would, a guy like that normally is going to be in my top 12, just, just talent alone. But I'm, I'm a little bit lower because, again, I don't think they're going to throw it a ton with uh, Derek Carr. Should, should Olave be in our top 12? For Right now, I have him at 16, though. I did move him up. Yeah, I, I have him firmly in my top 12. I'm, I'm highest on him in our staff best ball ranks um, due to baller. I mean, he led all receivers last year in yards per route run versus man coverage. Beat everybody. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like literally all the best receivers in the NFL. He was better uh, on a yards per route run basis against man coverage. I always go back to that Olave was a great touchdown scorer at Ohio State, too. Didn't get a ton of opportunities last year. And, you know, Jamal Williams will get the goal line stuff, too. But I think Olave got a little unlucky in the touchdown department. Um I, I, I'm very bullish on, on Olave. It's just like, you look at all of like, I always think of like rookie production and adjusting it for not only age, but, but draft capital too. And like Olave is like right in line with some of the elites at the, at the position. So I think it's wheels up. I think we can't count on Michael Thomas. I think Shahid is a good little player, but he's not going to be a target guy. Um, I'm all in on Olave here. Well, I mean, he definitely fits the profile of somebody I'm always usually all in on too. So I'll, I'll bump it up a little bit and I'll move him over DK. Yeah. Debo. My, my one concern with the lava is like, if you look at his targets per route run, he was not super, super elite in that, like just didn't get a ton of volume. Maybe that's going to be, you know, something to, to keep our eye on, but like, I mean, everything else structurally big quarterback up, well, not big quarterback upgrade, but quarterback upgrade role, Another year in the offense, man, I, I think it's wheels up. Uh, Brett, any thoughts on Olave? Like um, just scratching the surface kind of a guy, or um, did he show a lot uh, that all he needs to do at this point is just almost maintain? Yeah, I mean, both. <laughs> just scratching the surface, but also just needs to maintain. I, I mean, it can't yeah. be understated the quarterback upgrade he got with Derek Carr. I'm, I'm a big Derek Carr apologist, so really, really like the fit there, but to Graham's point too, Graham was talking about the the targets per route run. I think Olave started kind of slow because they were basically giving him the the rookie nine route treatment. It's like, hey, you're you're just you're fast and you can run in a straight line really good. So you're gonna you're gonna run a lot of nine routes and open up you know everything underneath of you. Yeah, they realized, well, crap, this guy can actually play too. So we're gonna start feeding him the ball at a high level. And if you look at the way his season tracked, those those targets you know per route run went up as this as the season went on. So if that if that holds, I think he's going to be dynamite. One more, Brett. When Michael Thomas gets hurt and misses time, is your boy At Perry equipped to slide on right on in there? I would love to say yes, but the NFL obviously disagreed with me there. He was a six round right. pick. I don't know why. I've yeah. literally heard nothing about right. why. 
you know, the, the league viewed him that way. I mean, 184 teams passed that or 184 opportunities to draft him. And everyone said no until the 185th chance. So um, I don't know. I, I do like the talent though. I'll, I'll stand on my evaluation for now, at least. Yeah, sure. If Thomas yeah. goes out, I think Perry can, can play a little bit. So by the way, this means very little, but we watched Jay Kaner in, in mobile and yeah, look good. Um, I forgot. I told Adam this, um, my guy, Maurice Jones drew like coached him in pop Warner. Uh, so knows him really well. You know what his comp was? He called him like a baby this or a poor man's this. And I could not believe that I actually, actually saw it. He called him very like a baby Joe Burrow or like a, um, I, I, I did see a little Burrow in, in he has that swagger. Yeah. It's a swagger. You think it's a swag? It's a swagger. It's the leadership. It's the, the alpha dog. I, I know I'm the best, even though he's not the best. It, right. You know, we were watching with the senior bowl. He took complete control of those practices. Exactly. The coach on the yeah. field, he was, you know, he, he was literally showing quarterbacks how to run the drills that they're running. That's yep. like, I'm sure every team, that's probably why he went as high as he did for a guy with, you know, he's like five eleven and not the best arm in the world. But I think teams saw that in him. Like, Hey, this guy is a coach on the field. He, he's going to mm-hmm. be a high level backup just because of his, his mind and the way he thinks. Um, so yeah, I, I can see that swagger as, as a burrow type thing for sure. I saw a little bit too, in, in, in the way like kind of navigating in the pocket, yeah. you know, and, oh, and very much so. Yeah. 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 I was like, that blew my mind. I was like, damn, man, I saw it right away. Uh, all right, let's move on. NFC West, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Um, does anyone really know what this offense is going to look like? Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. start there, Adam. Do you? Yeah, it'll be Petson comes from the. It's kind of funny to say this from the um, Kevin Stefanski coaching tree. They're very close. Petson is they'll they'll be heavy twelve personnel depending on if everybody's healthy. They'll be more twelve and eleven. Ertz is back from the ACL injury. Trey McBride, who they surprisingly drafted in the second round, is there. So that'll that'll be part of it. Hopkins right now is on the team. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with his contract. Nobody wanted his contract. That's why he wasn't traded. Hollywood Brown on the final year of his deal. And Dorch is back, your guy. Zach Pascal's at a block. Michael Wilson's a guy I know John you like. Um, and then, of course, Murray won't be ready until after the season starts. So you've got to deal with that. And Paris Johnson, by the way, he's he's beauty's an eye beholder of this guy, based on talking offensive line coaches. Uh, their offensive line still a problem, John. It's not. Oh, I mean, oh it's, yeah, it's bad, real bad. Well, if uh, if DeAndre Hopkins is moved off, Brett, Michael Wilson, I'm sure he can line up anywhere. That guy, right? He four year player. He did. He looked damn good at that Senior Bowl that week, though. Um, I feel like Michael Wilson could plug in there and and be a solid starter quickly opposite Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Wilson was one of my guys through the whole process. Senior Bowl week is really where, you know, where, how I got on his radar because there's just not a lot of film out of him. I think he played 1,200 snaps in four years of college football. Not a lot, had injury concerns. That said, the dude can absolutely ball. I, I think he could, you know, he could play like an ex, true X receiver role as more of a possession guy, similar to like a T. Higgins. Yeah. Really good route runner, ball skills for days, good mm-hmm. hands. But I also think he could play more of that power slot role too, as a big, big yeah. time slot guy. He's he's a really thick, muscled up, big body guy who who moves really, really well. And uh, talk about giving him you know some free releases and and see what he can do after the catch. I think I think that power slot role would be really good for him. If even if Hopkins and Brown you know play the whole season, I think that would that would be a good pairing there. 
so if we're going to go with more 12, then I, I guess uh, Trey McBride, I guess we'll see you next year. Gr- Joe, Graham, I mean, I, I really like Trey McBride, but with Zach Ertz here, you know, the quarterback situation, I just really – it's he's hard to get behind. I, I really do believe in that kid, though. Uh, what do you think about Trey McBride? Um, I um, I am actually just currently looking at uh, one of my FFPC Dynasty teams where he is my third tight end. Remember, that's a uh, tight end premium. I have him behind uh, Dallas Goddard and Greg Dulcich. Um, and uh, I, I think McBride is somebody who, because he didn't do a ton last year, um, came on a little bit at the end. Maybe people aren't really excited about, but I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a step forward this year. Remember, high draft capital i know it's a new staff but uh this was a guy who pretty much had universal acclaim as the best tight end in last year's draft class yeah no he's he's good right brett we watched him for a week right he's dude was always open yeah and he checks the main box for me and that's you can go play on the outside and beat safeties and corners and disadvantaged linebackers so there you go um Okay, uh, I, I do like Clayton Toon as a long shot. Uh, interviewed him. He's like a 32-year-old man, uh, very mature. Adam, are they can are they just going to like go full degaff with James Conner and just ride him to the wheels fall off and start again next um, year at running back? Yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, because they just don't have anyone. I mean, it's it's this is another situation where I scratch my head. Conner certainly has been a good story, but he's hurt a lot. Corey Clement has been hurt ever since the Super Bowl six years ago. Tyson Williams is there. They just they didn't draft anyone. They didn't sign anybody. Nope. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I it's don't. Very weird. This is kind of, and this is one of the ugliest situations for any fantasy offense. I'd be stunned if it turns out to be good. Your starters coming off ACL reconstruction. Tight Tune is there, by the way, as the third string quarterback. Most likely will be the three. Bad offensive line. Not a lot of talent there. There is some talent at receiver job, but it, it, overall, this is an offense I completely avoided. San Francisco 49ers. And as I got into it and looked into it, I, I kind of like Brock Purdy uh, for fantasy. So I guess we'll start there. Um, it sure seems like they like him and they're going to give him every opportunity. Uh, Brett, your thoughts on what you saw from Purdy? Can we double that sample size and maintain the efficient level of play that we saw last year or something thereabouts? I mean, it's a scheme, right? The scheme draws out the efficiency. Garoppolo yeah. had moments as well of, of yep. efficiency. And I do think Birdie is good. Birdie, I call him Birdie. <laughs> I think Birdie will come back down to earth for sure. He, I, I mean, he, he had some interception luck last year too. I know, I know that the zero interceptions thing sticks out for a lot of people, but he was chucking up some YOLO balls at times that just yeah. either fell incomplete or got caught. Y- you look at his college tape, decision making was not his strong suit. He once I, I tell the story because it's true and it's hilarious, but he once threw an interception in college where he, the the ball was caught 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, John. Wow. That was an interception through, which means he was he was at like 35 yards behind the line of scrimmage, scrambling around like a maniac, and threw an interception at 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, which wow. is absolutely insane. That's I insane. think some of that poor decision making, I think it's going to start rearing its ugly head. I think you saw it towards the end of last year with with some of those Yolo balls he was throwing. Now he's, yeah. he's still going to be okay because the scheme's fine, but yeah, they took a couple things there. They absolutely love this guy, uh, Purdy. In terms of 
gamer, toughness, leadership. They made this decision literally right after the loss of the Eagles that they didn't know how bad the, the pretty injury would turn out to be. But they made a decision he was going to be their starter going forward. Like, that's how much they love him now. There are some people in the league say eventually he's going to show why he was the last pick overall last year. Yeah. yeah. Limited, very limited. You watch him when he's got a clear path, how he's got to get his body into it when he throws just to get it past 20 yards. But he can get when he gets in a rhythm, he's very effective. But I, I do worry about reality hitting this kid. Now I know Kyle Shanahan is a great coach and he's got a great scheme and he, he makes guys sometimes look better than they are. And that's certainly going to be a concern. But I have to trust Shanahan here that he knows what he's doing and everything in the past has shown that he does. So the question is over full season though. Now, now he's got to show he can do it over full yeah. season. Yeah. And I'm personally, I'm not there with, with that. I, I don't know that right. how good it's going to be and for fantasy, for the purpose of what we're doing here, you have to ask yourself, will Ayuk and Samuel be brought down a little bit because Purdy doesn't have the juice to do this over full season. I don't, I, I have my doubts. Of I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember when uh, Tony Romo had that run, and then the next year, everyone was like, "All right, is that for real?" And we um, we looked at that completion percentage tied with the YPA and determined, yes, it was real. The problem is the the YPA in this scheme are always juiced up here, but. You know, we were like, oh, Romo completed 65% of his passes last year with a 7.6 YPA. And the only other guys to do that their rookie year were like Steve Young, John Elway, Joe Montana. So, yeah, we're going to go with he's good. Uh, but I don't know if we could do that with the the scheme here. For what it's worth, uh, he was at 67% with an 8.1 YPA. You certainly get the full year Christian McCaffrey, and they do have a lot of weapons and a good old line. So it is a very, very good environment. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm investing in him to be their long-term starter, but for fantasy this year, I might take a look at him uh, because he's like QB 29 off the board, but I could easily see him being like QB 20, you know, or even 19 or something like that. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. And I guess Geno Smith is going to back it up because everyone seems to be really high on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I know everybody here, Brett and uh, Graham, are very high on Jackson Smith and Jigba. But again, um, Graham, I'll go to you. Are they going to support three top 30 wide receivers in Seattle this year? Maybe not top 30, but I think top 40 is possible. Um, I mean, every single year, there's multiple teams like eight to 10 that have two top 40 fantasy receivers. The Seahawks easily did it last year. Um, I think they kind of told us what they are envisioning for Tyler Lockett. He's now 31. Um, and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma can obviously play in the slot. That's where he's you know predominantly probably going to play year one, but he can play outside too. Uh, I, I just think the guy's a baller, man. It's like, I think it's like with receivers. It's like, okay, is the quarterback good enough? Are they going to throw good enough? Is the guy good enough? And it's like all three click right. here with Jackson Smith and Jigba. And it's like, I mean, last year the Seahawks were top eight in pass rate over expectation. I know they drafted Charbonnet. I, I know they're going to run the ball a little bit, but like this, this team is still built to throw, and they just drafted a receiver in the first round. Like, they're not going to though. They're not going to. As long but, as but Adam, they were they were fifth in pass rate over expectation. Well, they had to because they were if their defense is bad again, that's a different story. But they're not going to throw. They're just not. I, I, I'm pretty close to that team. Pete 
basically micromanages offense corners like you cannot believe. They're not going to throw a lot. If their defense is hanging in there, they're just not. And plus, remember, Penny got hurt. There were a lot of things that went against what Pete wanted. It's not what we want. We want them to throw the football. And the personnel will tell you they could throw the football, but that's not what Pete wants. I um I I I harken back to that game. I forget who it was against, um, where DJ Dallas essentially had to play on a severely hot severe oh, high they ran back, right because they ran and i and and when people ask me why would the seahawks galaxy bring themselves and take charbonnet i just try to put myself in pete carroll's mindset and pete said to himself that is never happening to me again yep. and so they made an annoying ass pick for fantasy purposes <laughs> it sucks i mean because it hurts kenneth walker who was a top of the line dynasty running back and it hurt Charbonnet, who was one of the best backs in this class per Brett, where I think Brett had him as third running back in this class. But Pete Carroll does not give a shit. Pete Carroll was going to sit there and say, I am never playing a game without a running back again. And that yeah. that's why they made this pick. Well, I mean, let me let me just say real quick, when Penny was still healthy, they were still eighth in pass rate over expectation, which would have tied them with the Jacks. I mean, I, I, all I'm saying here is like, I think we, we keep reverting back to this thing of like, we keep reverting back to our priors with Geno Smith. It's like, oh, he he was no good with the Jets. He lost his job with the Giants. Not at all. He could throw it. He no, like, I, I, Seattle I, I, was I just, rebuilding I just, their defense. Yeah. They were rebuilding that then, though. Yeah. Those, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. I think when you have DK Metcalf and JSN and Lockett, like, you're you're going to throw. I don't know. Uh, not unless you, unless you, and not unless you have Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. I mean, that's the thing. I'm telling you. Like the I, only I mean, I got to say, Rashad Penny is way better than Zach Charbonnet is, and they still threw the ball a ton. Right. Is it possible they do both? Like, what if this defense still isn't very good, and this we know this offense is capable of being very good? So, what if they just run a crap ton of plays on offense? Well, that was the thing last year. Like, so if you think back to 2021, right? So their play volume completely boomeranged. So in 2021, they were at the bottom of the league in play volume. They played super slow. Russell Wilson was terrible, took a bunch of sacks. They, you know, that's part of the reason why this offense disappointed is their play volume was so bad. Last year, completely boomerang. They picked up the pace a little bit. Gino could actually convert third downs. Um, regardless of their running back room, like they still move the ball really, really well. Uh, I'm not there with this defense being better. I mean, I'm looking at this depth chart. They still have me. I mean, I know they can dial it up with the pass rush, but like, yeah, they got Devin Weatherspoon. They got Tariq Willen, but like their pass rush, I think is still a, a major, major. Yeah, concern. no, I hear you. I, like dream well, Bobby, Bobby Wagner will get five sacks. Just, just, I mean, yeah, their, their pass rush is, is a major concern. I think they're too, I mean, obviously their corners are great, but yeah, I think that's a, that's gotta be a big concern here. I mean, my thought real quick, it did seem like they hit a wall last year um, with Gino, that run he was on. It was like, oh, every week he's the same guy. But then it until he wasn't. And I feel like the Jackson Smith and Jigba signing was like, we need more help to go to get it over the top. You know, yeah. uh, John, and, and you look yeah. at his pass per game. I mean, he had like, what, three over 40. Carlos would want that. That's not Graham's right. They threw the ball a lot. It's not what Pete wants. That's. But they, their defense was so bad, the only way they could win, and once they started to trust Gino, they had to throw. But th this is – this. if you remember, John, when, when Russell Wilson was going to set an NFL record for touchdowns in a season when he had 28 in, in eight games, he Carroll told their coaches, it's over. You're not. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. That's not what he wants. It's, it's ridiculous. It's why they're never going to win another Super Bowl. 
if Graham, I, I'm with you. They should throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game with his personnel. They're passing personnel, but that's not what people yeah. yeah. No, Which, I, I, hear, I hear you. And, you know, should the Charbonnet pick is probably a small sign to that, but it's also kind of what Joe is saying. Like, they had nothing after Penny got hurt last year. So, I mean, if Walker gets hurt, you know, they, they at least have somebody reliable at two now. Well, as someone who has overrated many young players and oversold them a year before their true breakout, um, I will say that I think it's absurd that uh, JSN is being drafted in front of Lockett. I mean, mark the tape. It's uh, May 9th, one thirteen Eastern. That is egregious. There is absolutely no way that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be worth anything remotely close to the capital that he's going on underdog here, like 60 over. There's absolutely no way. It's one of the most mispriced guys I've ever seen, honestly. John, you're never, you, you're never going to have fights about this because I think he has a chance to be the top scoring receiver. I, think I mean, that's I think hey, the best receiver. On there the is a lot of polarization out there this year. I'm telling you, there there are a <laughs> lot of uh, changing environments and changing landscapes and shifting. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll have a steel cage match uh, at the end of the year on it. But um, let's move on. And uh, do we hit everything on Seattle, by the way? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess we're good here. Uh, moving on to the Rams, who. Might have the next to last worst de- defense here. Uh, I mean, Adam, defensively, oh, my God. I mean, where are they yeah. getting a pass rush? Who's covering? This This looks it's really bad. I mean, they went from having one of the best cornerback groups in the NFL a couple of years ago. It's it's not good. I mean, if I'm, anyone who goes against them should be throwing the ball like almost every down, I'd throw the hell out of it against them. And they yeah. got an aging Aaron Donald – not much else. You're right, John. This is you're you're now you're right on top of it. This is a this is a, from a personnel standpoint only. Not very good. Yeah. Well, and and the hope is that Stafford can stay in one piece. Just feed the ball to Cooper Cup. Check it down to Cam Akers. Check it down to Tyler Higby. You know, I actually do think their offense is is pretty decent. I kind of like Van Jefferson as a sleeper here. He's finally healthy. Um. Brett, you have any thoughts on Van Jefferson? Got a little inside-outside versatility. I think if there's anyone who rises above uh, the others here op- opposite Cooper Cup, I- I'm going to go Van, uh, but maybe you go Puka because you're a Puka Nakua guy. I am a Puka Nakua guy, and I think that's a, a really, really good landing spot for him. My comp for Puka was Robert Woods, and he lands on the Rams. There you go. I think they could use him in that role. Um, he's got a little Debo to his game as well. They can get him on those those schemed-up touches, though is the bigger point there. But as far as Van goes, I, I think for whatever reason so far, he's been kind of cast as this deep threat only type of guy. In that right. And I don't know not, why. Because they needed his verticality his rookie year. They didn't have anybody else who could run, I don't think. Yeah, he, he's a really good route runner. I mean, obviously his dad's an NFL wide receiver coach. This kid has route running in his blood. <laughs> I mean, he's, yep. he, he can separate. He can do a lot of the, the nitty-gritty stuff in the short and intermediate parts of the field. He can work the middle of the field really well. I'd like to see them use him in a more diverse route tree this year. And, and yeah, yeah. Looking at the depth chart, they freaking should. That's for sure. Yep. I got yep. to say some of last year was on McVay. Look, I know the dude just won the Super Bowl. I know Stafford was hurt. That offense was atrocious last year. I mean, it was literally so hamstrung. Just let's find ways to get the ball to Cooper cup and ignore everyone else. I mean, it was just to, to Brett's point, the thing with van and even some of their other guys, I mean, they just, 
I don't know. It seemed like something was fundamentally broken in that offense last year, and I don't know if they have the personnel to really fix it. In the backfield, I'm not sure why people are so skeptical on Cam Akers. I mean, obviously, I know the career has gotten off to a, a rough start here, but, I mean, you know, all the data points, the final six weeks are outstanding. Uh, Brett su- supplied that. Um, the eyeball test was good. Kyron Williams is a jag. Zach Evans is not much of a third down threat. I mean, I am feeling it, Brett, with Cam Akers here to basically potentially be this year's Josh Jacobs. You know, like, let's write him off in a contract year. Best year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the numbers I, I pulled for you, John, I I didn't even know that that was true before I pulled it. And I was like, yeah. my, I had to go back and watch the tape because I was oh, like, that was my eyeball test. I'm like, he's back. I'm thinking he's back. I'm watching him like the last six weeks. Yeah, that team was just so bad. I didn't really pay them any mind. So like when I pulled those numbers, I was like, holy crap, I got to go watch the tape. And yeah, he looked back. I know it seemed like him and McVeigh had some feud early in the year or whatever, where they were thinking about trading him and then he got hurt. And then when he came back, though, man, he he was electric, physical, powerful, yeah. elusive, all those all the things you're looking for in, in that scheme specifically. And they gave you the big stamp of approval by not really drafting it. I mean, Zach Evans in the sixth round is a nothing burger, you know? Yeah. Kyron Williams is a jag. I mean, I think you're right. Contract year, they're just going to, you know, ride him into the ground probably. Yep, yep. I'll sleep like a baby on, on that call. Cam makers all day long. Um, and then Cooper Cup will probably catch 120 balls the first, you know, 13 weeks, and then, like, he'll disintegrate from overuse. So, uh, so one thing, just on Jefferson, he's going to be their shot play guy. That's the way they saw him before he before he um, had that meniscus cleanup. Like, they, he was doing so well, they were expecting a breakout season from him. And he's finally over here to have a follow-up. He's finally healthy. So, I mean, when you look at their pass target group, John, he's going to be two. It's cup one, Jefferson two. I don't know. Higby three, Higby. whatever that looks like. Captain check down. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you, Tutu Atwell will push 30 catches. Marking it down, 30. I mean, he's going to be out there, you know, rotational guy. I mean, yeah. no question. 30 My ca- guy last two, two, two a game? Yeah, well, Lance McCutcheon is a guy that, you know, starting to talk up a little bit here. Is 6'2 out of uh, Bro, Montana State, yeah. uh, is Lance McCutcheon. How about Stetson Bennett? How shocked were you, uh, Brett, that the Rams went there when they did? <laughs> I mean, as far as on the field goes, I think that's a perfectly reasonable spot for Bennett. It's yeah. the off-field stuff, I think, that, that had him falling that far. Had he not had the off-field stuff, I, I think he probably goes day two. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't even know what that is. What is it? I mean, the off-field, was he a jerk? I mean, what? what, what? <laughs> that's bit, I don't know a lot of details either, yeah. but that's just the, the words everyone utters. It sounds like, though, he's a he's a massive diva, a big-time jerk. Uh, and he actually kicked off okay. the team at one point and then brought yeah. back. Right, right, the, uh, right, right. Some amends were made. You know, if your name is Baker Mayfield or Stetson Bennett, it's like, you know, you're – you're just better than everybody, apparently. I don't know. I mean, okay. All right. Well, we'll see. It certainly was a pretty logical landing spot, like you said. I could see him having some success here. And then we're done. That's it, right? We've covered it all here. Uh, a little lengthy. I don't know if we planned on it going this long, but I don't think we really truly belabored a lot of points. And uh, we hit on probably 90% of the 
points uh, that need to be hit on. So that is episode one or version one of the offseason powwow NFC will reconvene soon, very soon uh, with the, basically the same cast of characters and we'll bang out the AFC. We'll chop up all the videos here. We'll use them on social media. We'll put this out on a, as a podcast so you can hear the entirety of the conversation. We didn't have a lot of people like talking over one another, which certainly helps. So with that said, we'll wrap it up for Adam Kaplan and Mr. Graham Barfield, Brett Whitefield, Joe Dolan, Tom Brawley behind the curtain there, uh, taking notes. Our guy Trey behind the glass as well. I'm John Hanson. We'll catch you next time at fantasypoints.com. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.